You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back on the Oz Network for week number three of Bad Movie Month. Uh, the only thing that will get you through the disgusting heat of August summer um, is by bringing you disgusting joy in gloriously bad movies. And <laughs> hold on. First of all, we've... Uh, Started this month off by talking about Gods of Egypt. Uh, we followed it up last week by talking about The Room. Considered the worst movie ever made that two of us decided to buy. Great <laughs> right story, Colin. <laughs> Jamie watched the movie but wasn't on the episode, but got just as much entertainment out of it. And now we're here to talk about what is arguably the worst reviewed and um, I would say, at least for audience response, considered to be the most overall bad blockbuster movie, at least of the last, you know, 20 years or so. 2000's Battlefield Earth. My name is Colin, and crap lousy bad movie month! My name is Jamie, and... (laughs) (laughs) This is... This is such an odd one. First of all, we should say, Rossi, just like last week, may be here. Um, Rossi's running on... um, I don't know, cyclo time zone right now. So <laughs> he's going to drop in at some point, hopefully throughout this episode, if he makes it at all. We're not sure, but we're going to start anyways. Uh, this episode's going up a little bit later than normal. But Battlefield, this is going to be a fun one because I got to be honest, this has always been a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, having said that, I'm aware that it's a bad movie. I'm aware of all the issues of this movie. I always have been. And uh, I, I didn't actually watch it until you showed it to me. Well, I showed it to you years ago. That's the other thing. And here's what's funny is that we did last week's episode of The Room and we were teasing we were going to do Battlefield Earth. Jamie in the background saying, I want to do that one. Like, really excited. I'm thinking, she's never seen this movie. So I'm like, oh boy, are you in for a treat, Jamie? And she keeps trying to get my attention. And I'm like, quiet, quiet. I'm recording the end of the episode here. Didn't know what you're talking about. And as soon as it ends, she said, I've seen that movie. I love that movie. John Travolta. And I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. I set some ground rules. I told her, I'm like, listen, you like bad movies. We'll say this from the beginning. Bad Movie Month kind of spawned because we watched Gods of Egypt, and I was saying this is a truly it's awful a movie. movie. And you said exactly that. You look, it's a good movie. You didn't want to come on that episode. Um, your favorite Batman movie is Batman and Robin. Such a great movie. Come on. And I, got, it's, it, I, I find entertainment out of it. I don't think it's a bad movie and then unentertaining. Same. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Yeah, that'll be for next year. Let's stay on topic here. No, that one doesn't get put put in Bad Movie Month because it's awesome. Okay, uh, but you have this tendency to like bad movies that other people say are garbage. Maybe you like them just for cheesy entertainment. Who knows? But I like some of the cheesiness of it. Yeah. <laughs> but for this one, you were telling me I really want to watch this, and I even said ground rules before we watched this movie a few days ago. I said, okay. I know that you like bad movies. Whatever you do, please, for the sake of our reputation, do not buy Battlefield Earth. And you're like, it's a really good movie. And you weren't messing with me. We started watching this a few nights ago. Was I? We started watching this a couple of nights ago. And within five minutes of this movie, you said, I think this is a lot worse than I remember. Do I have to keep watching this? (laughs) I even, I even told you, I said, can I change my mind and not actually come on? <laughs> which is was going to bring me my next point, thank you. <laughs> which is that you've been begging me all evening to not do this episode. Now, because Rossi's not here, we kind of have to do it now. Oh, darn it, uh, no Pokemon for me. No Pokemon. Uh, you, 
And I'm talking about Pokemon the movie. I'm sure that'll come up in some bad movie month. Uh, I've never seen Pokemon. I don't know, but it's Pokemon. No, I'm talking about playing the game. Anyway, I know that. (laughs) But Battlefield Earth, I've always had a soft spot for this movie. I've always been aware it's a bad movie. Um, I'm aware of its issues, but I find cheap entertainment in it. Now, having said that, we came in this and I said, I like Battlefield Earth. I still like, I still find it amusingly entertaining sometimes in a bad way i don't think it's as bad as most people make it out to be but this movie does not age well and the last time i saw this was maybe six or seven years ago yeah and i feel like it's pretty new into our relationship and i've known you for over a decade yeah but but i have watched this every couple years still this is the first time i watch this and i've been like all right, this movie has passed its expiration date. It's no longer as fun as I thought. Uh, but I don't know. Give us your your take, what you thought you remembered about Battlefield Earth, and then just a brief take on what you thought of it this time. Well, I remember that it was cheesy. Um, I remember John Travolta, obviously. He's my favorite part of the movie because, I mean, he's John Travolta. Like, come on. Yeah. But um, through watching it, I, I came to realize kind of what I had thought before. The first part of the movie where there's no aliens, I'm not really a fan of that. And the last, I'd probably say half hour or just a shy bit more, I'm not really a fan of that either. But the middle, like, that's the sweet spot of the movie for me. I like that part. I'm really interested to find out what this sweet spot is because I have kind of the opposite take. I feel like this movie progressively gets more entertaining but there's no middle section that's the sweet spot here. I love watching John Travolta and his overacting. It's actually hilarious. It is funny. And like I think some of what I'm going to be doing here is just defending uh, a lot of people's wrong impression of this movie. Where people say, oh, it's over the top, it's cheesy. It was clearly meant to be. Like, John Travolta is an over-the-top type actor at times. He has subtle performances. You, you watch something like he made like a civil action. He's not going as over-the-top as he is in you know something like this. Uh, or Face Off, or Broken Arrow, when he's doing these big action movies, he knows he has to go over the top. But even if you look at The Punisher, The Punisher, he was very subtle in that one. And actually, that's one of my favorite villains. But like John Travolta was known as the villain guy. We mentioned him last September when we did Anniversary Month. Uh, you know how That's kind of his thing. I mean, he was the villain guy. And Broken Arrow, Face Off, and you know, so on, so on. He's, he's always such a great villain. Here, he was totally hamming it up. But that's what he's known for. And... There was that theatricalness. To it was it. very like very over the top, comedically goofy Shakespearean uh, type line delivery, which really all the cyclos have. But it does bring a little bit of fun to it. And I think the difference is with the humans, they're almost funny in the wrong way, and with the cyclos in this, <laughs> well, I'm not even talking about that. I mean, I'm talking about just how dumb the humans are in this. But, like, the cyclos are dumb, but, like, they're meant to be dumb. The, the crazy thing about this movie to me, and this is maybe getting a little bit ahead of myself, is just how dumb everybody is in this movie. We have this advanced alien race who are the dumbest aliens we have ever seen in movie history. Like, movie history. These aliens know nothing. And, and uh, there's, there's so many problems I'm going to go throughout this, but uh, I will agree that I think that there's a lot of fun to be had by watching the cyclos and... You have to understand that they meant for it to be over the top. They meant for it to be... And there are lines here where it's clearly meant to be comedy, at least with the cyclos part. How, how stupid did those nose plugs look? Well, we'll get to that too, okay? I mean, another problem with this movie... Like, this movie comes out in the year 2000, and we have to remember that, you know, 
the negative impression of Scientology played a big part in this movie's reputation, what people assumed going into it and everything. But just a bit of background, I don't know even how much you know about this, but like obviously the Church of Scientology, like the two most famous members of it, Tom Cruise and John Travolta. Um, oh, John Travolta's part of it too? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew Tom Cruise. But anyways, John Travolta um, wanted to get this movie now. Why, why book, wasn't Tom Cruise in this movie? <laughs> He made Mission Impossible 2 the year before, which came out only two weeks after this. Um, we covered that one too, but uh, I think I think Tom Cruise had a better year in 2000. But anyways, um, so back in 1982, L. Ron Hubbard writes Battlefield Earth. L. Ron Hubbard, a year or two or later, not long after that, will go on to create the Church of Scientology. Or I think he created it beforehand, but it kind of became more popular afterwards. Mm. But what people have to remember is that L. Ron Hubbard started out as like a b-grade science fiction novel writer in the 50s so after decades of him writing these you know uh scientology books or pre-scientology books he had a book called dianetics and everything uh and really sort of starting this cult if you want to call it that um his history was in these b-grade pulp novels he would write pirate fiction sci-fi fiction and in 82 he's like i kind of want to get back to this and just do something fun again now, this movie and the book unfairly get labeled as being Scientology propaganda, which I don't know that much about Scientology, but I know enough to know that there is nothing in this movie or book that is pro-Scientology. In fact, the close, there are so many reviews out there and so many audience responses you'll read. Uh, people who basically try to say, this is just nothing but you know, dumb, poorly made Scientology propaganda. Just because the guy who created this book happened to create the Church of Scientology, they assume that he's writing these hidden messages in here. The closest anybody can come to drawing comparisons between the Church of Scientology, the Church of Scientology is very anti-psychiatry. And the Cyclos, Cyclos, uh, are apparently ruled by a group which are very similar to like psychiatrists, and it's supposed to be a negative portrayal of psychiatrists. So they're trying to say like, oh, these evil people who are behind the cyclos or psychiatrists. But like the cyclos themselves, even without these this higher order that, that's in the book, but apparently not the movie, the cyclos are villains. So like, why would L. Ron Hubbard go out there and say, I want to you know do this propaganda piece and the cyclos are going to be the Church of Scientology. Like you're not, if, if somebody were to write a uh, religion around, well, there are religions based around Star Wars or whatever, but uh, like, well, you know, fan-made religious response. But if somebody were to try to tie Star Wars and they would say Star Wars is religious propaganda because the Emperor and Darth Vader and the Empire. I'm like, well, who's going to go out there and try to create propaganda where they are the villains? It li literally makes no sense at all. Have you have you read the book for this? Interesting question. Um, I read about 250 pages of a 1,000-page book, Battlefield Earth. You couldn't get further or what? Um, it wasn't a bad book. I mean, here's the thing. The book's reputation was quite, quite, you know, solid, um, like, throughout the 80s and 90s, which is one of the reasons this movie got made. Uh, it, it was a very popular book. And when the movie came out, there were a lot of fans of the book who were saying, well, you know, they didn't do it justice or whatever. Now, part of it is this movie is adapted from the first half of the novel. This was the first example of splitting a novel, which we later saw with The Lord of the Rings or, or The Hobbits, I guess, Harry Potter, uh, Divergent, all those the Hunger Games that split it. Battlefield Earth was the first one they said, we're going to take the first half of the novel and then we'll save the second half for a sequel. Um, so it's a long book, but I didn't even finish mm. the half that's covered in this movie just because it is so long and you check out a book from the library. I mean, 
you're not going to necessarily power through a thousand page book in three weeks. And eventually I'm just like, yeah, it's good. It's just not so good. I want to continue, especially since I know half of this story already. And, and did you, and I obviously know that they probably partially did it to make them really look different from the humans, like to make them look different. But did you notice like this alien race who is apparently so ahead and beyond, they have this machine where it can basically you look at it and it pours knowledge into your brain like crazy. Yeah. So they're super advanced like this, but they completely lack any basic dental hygiene. Yeah. Well, again, that was one of the complaints that often came up uh, at the time that this movie came out uh, or the, the time that this b- book came out or, or movie into the book is that the Cyclos, they just look hideous. They can't clip their fingernails. Uh, they, they can't brush their teeth. Now, the movie and book kind of address that because they do mention, like, the Cyclos find everything on Earth repulsive. They're like, (coughs) sorry, uh, I don't have time to edit out a cough there. Um, They'll say, you know, oh, these disgusting blue skies and green grass and everything. So obviously to a Cyclo, maybe crooked yellow black teeth is attractive. There's even a line where... Uh, Johnny's trying to say, like, about his girlfriend. It's like, she's one of the foulest women I've ever seen. It's like, well, I would, you know, wouldn't disagree with you. Like, obviously, it's meant to be opposite. But, I mean, that's, I think, where it kind of gets lost is that when people are picking apart little things like that, it was meant to be cheesy B-grade science fiction. Why can we accept that the aliens in Independence Day would look like disgusting squid monsters, you know, and not know how to, uh, I don't know, clean the slime off themselves? But it would be different here. I mean, they gave them a look, and I actually like the look of the Cyclos in here because <clears throat> they look different. They look like aliens, and they look like something that would be out of a cheesy 50s science fiction movie, which, again, is what L. Ron Hubbard made a career out of writing. So I'm, there's things that this movie's criticized for that I'm going to defend a little bit mm-hmm. or defend people's wrong impression of it, but there's a lot that's going to come up in this movie that people don't criticize enough where it's like, what is going on here? You know, you, you could criticize... Like the the makeups and the what would you call that the what is the things the fingernails things? no I'm saying just the stuff that they add on the makeup the appliance not apparatuses okay whatever anyways you know what I'm talking <coughs> it's about. very important <laughs> you you could you could criticize the costumes or whatever you want like for the quality of it but honestly like I know these actors and I know what they look like and stuff like that and I can still recognize them but I. I actually think they did a really good job, though, with well, making them look alien. They, yeah, I mean... Th- when I look at them, I don't think, oh, this is just a person dressed up in a suit. I think, oh, that's alien John Travolta. Yeah, does it Does it look cheesy? Does it look B-grade? Yeah, but it's supposed to. And it's pretty good quality B-grade movie makeup. Did you notice, though, that one thing in almost every single movie, they make him dance? He didn't dance in this movie. Uh, well, that's one of those Travolta things, especially in, you know, in the... <laughs> The, the 80s and 90s, he always had to have a dance scene, even movies where it was clearly not appropriate. I mean, Basic, he had a dance scene very briefly in Basic that they found a way to work in there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so coming into 2000, John Travolta, you know, he, it, it's funny that he's often criticized for um, maybe being a fallen star, but like, what people have to remember is 1994 rolls around, John Travolta's career is dead, like dead, dead. He went from you know, 15, 20 years earlier being the hottest star on the planet to being dead. And Pulp Fiction comes out, totally revives his career. Then he's got Get Shorty. And then he's got Broken Arrow and Face Off. And uh, The General's Daughter came out, I think, the year before this. So 
he was on a roll and there were a couple of movies in there like primary colors and a civil action that did like decent box office but they were low budget dramatic movies he really only had one or two bombs leading into this i mean phenomenon was a huge hit oh that was a good movie michael even made a good amount of money that was My- a good movie michael's too. it's not a great movie it's okay it's a good but movie. anyway so john travolta was still a star at this point and hot well that's the other thing that this movie got you know criticism for you take what people may forget now uh, or if they weren't around at the time, they may not realize now. But like John Travolta, even in his mid forties at the time, was pretty much considered like the most handsome man on the planet. You know, you had in the nineties there was like uh, you know, Brad Pitt, obviously Tom Cruise. There were guys like that, and then there was John Travolta. I mean, he was like even as mid forties, like you as a teenager, you probably were in love with John Travolta. Oh, even when I was like <laughs> littler than that. Oh, sorry, my voice cracked there for a second. <laughs> Jamie just became a woman. <laughs> no, even when I was like eight or nine, I can actually remember watching movies of his and just looking on the screen being like, wow, he's really hot. And like I said, I was like eight or nine. Well, I mean, and I think that would have been something that was distracting the time, like John Travolta doing such a crazy shift in his appearance to be this disgusting monster. Still hot. But he could be, ha- he could have like a thousand pounds of makeup on and still be sexy. But anyways, like it's not the thing he hadn't done even at the time. Because, like, in a Primary Colors, he put on, like, 50 pounds and, you know, basically was Bill Clinton in that movie. I've actually never seen that movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. I love Primary Colors. But um, we'll get into covering the movie here in a second. But just to kind of give history, I mean, the movie had a good deal of hype. And I think there were expectations, especially with it being a big-budget sci-fi movie. This was coming out only one or two weeks after Gladiator came out. And Gladiator was not expected to be a massive hit. This one was expected to be at least a good size hit and it didn't really end up being <coughs> sorry a, again <coughs> i'm coming over uh coming off a cold here <coughs> stop coughing ah. was was there a big budget for this movie well we'll get to that later on we'll, okay. we'll, i'll come back to that anyway so we'll jump into the movie here there's the opening crawl which again it's very clear in watching this it's intended to be like 50s 60s b-grade sci-fi even with the opening crawl talking about man being an endangered species and all yeah. that and the all of the history about the Cyclos. And the whole idea here is that the Cyclos, a thousand years earlier, had conquered Earth. And uh, the, the and Earth, humans are kind of endangered. Humans are an endangered species. I mean, yeah. they've been wiped out, and those that are left are just sort of roaming the wilderness. Yeah. And they've lost a lot of their own history. They don't know as much. Uh, strangely enough, they're all still clean-shaven. And they uh, all still speak English. They speak perfect English. They don't know how to read <laughs> maps. <laughs> There's some real plot holes in this movie that are going to be fun to cover. But... Uh, the the hero Johnny Tyler Johnny Johnny. Good, Johnny Goodboy Tyler as he was known in the novel which when this movie was first being developed in the uh, early to mid 80s John Travolta was attached to it even then and John Travolta was going to be playing the Johnny character and it was only when the movie got off the ground as John Travolta's career took off again in the 90s that he's like I'm too old I better play the, the turtle role instead but uh, Johnny's the hero and they're automatically referring to him as a greener because he's always thinking there could be something better to life and you know, his tribes people here uh, this primitive colony of humans they're basically saying like you know there's nothing more to life this is basically all we have we, we can cling to what we have but we will die off at some point he's got a girl who he tells to go find a better husband um he goes off to find medicine i think for her father or something like that uh and he leaves despite everybody's best efforts uh there's a lot of talk here about the demons which you get that they're living in the wilderness and that they don't even, they know that these cyclos are out there, but they don't know what they are anymore because they've been so far removed from you know, even cyclo society here. The first thing that's just so obvious to me here, and I don't know why it wasn't obvious at the time, because I had already seen the original Planet of the Apes movie when Battlefield Earth came out. Mm. 
and I've seen this several times since then, and I'm, I'm a huge Planet of the Apes fan, like the original series and the new remake series, everything but the Tim Burton. I will argue the Tim Burton movie is worse than Battlefield Earth any day of the week, but this is just Planet of the Apes. Like, there, there are so many similarities to Planet of the Apes with these humans that have devolved and the superior race that took over. Um, it's, there are scenes coming up that are, like, literally straight from Planet of the Apes, but... Uh, Johnny leaves. He, he finds this dragon that uh, is really just at a mini golf course. Uh, he runs into these men like Carlo, who is going to become... Carlo's a fun character. I like Carlo in this movie. <coughs> uh, sorry. <coughs> um, but uh, they just grunt like apes. This is their first... <laughs> which, again, Planet of the Apes. You've got these humans now who are grunting like apes. You know, you, know, you know what, though? you I just wanted to kind of interject one thing because it kind of goes with what you were just saying about the opening crawl and stuff like that i was just thinking about something you know what would be really cool i and i know i know you're gonna groan when i say rewatch this movie but rewatch it again actually in black and white i bet that it would actually be better that's to watch it no black there white. you go i would love that first of all the color scheme in this movie is awful it looks horrific yeah it's either really green, really dark blue, but and purple. But I just feel like if you if you watch it in black and white, it'll make it feel yeah. even more like a and 50s. I think that's something that might be missed. I mean, we have like the wipes in this movie. You know what a wipe is, right? No. Well, you know when you're watching Star Wars and they transition from one scene oh, yeah, to the yeah, next, yeah, yes, the picture yeah. sort of spreads apart. Yeah. This movie does that, which is something that comes from like old school, you know, 40s, 50s movies. And I remember uh, watching the, the the Mummy, the Brendan Fraser Mummy, with my brother, and he has said, you know, this feels like a classic, you know, adventure movie, monster movie. We should watch this in black and white and see how it holds up. Now, obviously, there's some effects where you're like, well, they couldn't do that in 1950s. But it was interesting to watch The Mummy in black and white. Mm-hmm. And we did the same thing with Signs because Signs sort of felt like a classic Hitchcock movie. And again, that. it had this this really interesting appeal in watching it in black and white. I don't even know how you would watch movies in black and white nowadays, though. So. Uh, you can adjust the color on your TV and just turn all the color contrast down. I mean, oh, that's really? the same way we did before, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know you could do that with new TVs. Well, I haven't tried, because, but I'd be interested to try now with Battlefield Worth. You see if see if it does play differently. If you just imagine this as a 50s sci-fi movie, you might have more fun watching it. But um, when he meets up with these other man-apes... Uh, <laughs> man-animals. Man-animals, but they're all grunting like apes, because it's the Planet <laughs> of the Apes remake <laughs> here. Uh, and there's mini-golf course, and you have Carlo and his guys basically telling him... Everything and this is where you realize that hu- humanity has like lost their own history. So they think that these statues they're seeing are like people, gods that were turned yeah. to stone or whatever. And they talk about them riding around, uh, flying in the air in their golden arches. And you realize that like, they've got half history, but they don't know it all. It's an interesting idea that isn't explored enough in this movie. But part of the reason is because it just makes all the humans look dumb. It's so funny when they're explaining it, though, because of the way that they explain it. Like, it's this mysterious, magical thing, and they're basically talking about... Because they're talking about people um, dri- driving in vehicles, but they make it sound, like, su- super futuristic and, and like, I don't know, out-of-this-world type of thing. And it's just basically people driving through a drive through getting food. Yeah, but, but like, it, it has some amusing moments here and there in the movie, but they never stop with it. And it does make the humans look dumb. Because you think to yourself, like... A thousand years, I mean, if we had no way of keeping history, I'm pretty sure we would still have a better grasp on what happened in the year 1018 than these humans have. Like, there's no reason that, especially since we see that there's libraries around everywhere, there, there's ways that they can learn this history. And in what world are they going to see a cartoony looking statue of a mechanic holding a wrench outside of an auto body shop and be like, that's a god who once turned to stone? Like, nobody is going to think that. I don't care how far removed you are. 
from your own history or, or uh, education or anything like that. It's also amazing in this movie that this is a thousand years after the humans have lost the war and how much stuff has just not decayed, like these statues outside of a um, auto body shop or golden arches or things like that, or even the buildings. I mean, we live in buildings that every hundred years need to go under complete repairs and renovations. So how is it these buildings mostly are still standing a thousand years later? Like at the mall. Yeah. Dynamite drop in, Jamie. Glad you're here. No, <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Sorry. Um, I'm just breezing through before we get to all the cyclo stuff here. That's the good stuff. I mean, this episode's going to be different. Normally we'll cover sections of the movie, but I feel like you'll just... <laughs> You're just going to interrupt whenever you feel like it. So I'm trying not we'll to. Just, well, we'll just go through. If you, there's something you want to talk about, I'm actually, we did this in the room too. Like, if there's something you want to mention, just drop in. Um, so when they're in the mall, you know, they're Johnny and Carlo and these other Johnny. humans. They're all just talking about their history. And he shows them a piece of glass, which he calls Godstone. And again, it just makes humans look really stupid. Uh, it's clearly a piece of glass. I'm sure that they have other primitive tools out there. Again, these are clean-shaven, for the most part, these are clean-shaven men who, you know, obviously have razors still, but they don't know what a piece of glass is. That's, that's actually pretty interesting. I never yeah. thought about the fact that they're clean-shaven. Yeah. Um, a weird thing that happens here when the humans are in the mall uh, is that there's this odd green light that seems to be coming from nowhere, and that's where I said, like, a color scheme in this movie looks nauseating sometimes, and it shifts so drastically. It's either really purple, really blue, really green... Or, like, really drab gray. Well, and I think they're trying to probably go for more, like, a classic type feel. Like, what you're saying, like, make it cheesy, like, yeah, old looking. But I think the black and white would actually be better. But, like, just going back to, like, the cheesy look of this, the camera is always slanted. You notice that? Yeah. Especially when they're showing the villains. Yeah. And but that's something that became popular, like, in the 60s. Ba- on Batman. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, in, yeah. In the classic Adam West Batman show, that's where it came from. Is that, that what you're that, about to say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I know where again, you're they're <laughs> emulating something that was clearly campy. Like there are elements of this movie that definitely take itself too seriously, but there are things that people criticize as being too cheesy. Where it's like that was the point, and yeah. I think it does accomplish, at least to a certain degree, capturing that that fifties you know cheesy sci-fi. Uh, ever since you mentioned that to me, like that was many years ago. Because again, I've known you for like twelve years, but. That was just even a couple of years into a relationship, too. You mentioned the that Batman thing, classic, yeah. how they slant the camera. And actually, I, I've paid attention now when I'm watching these movies with villains. And it's actually it's actually pretty common that uh, people will do stuff like that. And it is actually something that really does make you feel a little bit on edge and uncomfortable when yeah. the camera is tilted. And I think that's the purpose of it, obviously, mm-hmm. is to get and your attention. I will say they overdo it in this movie a bit as they overdo the slow-mo. And I think modern reviews of this movie will criticize the overuse of slow-mo and they don't realize that was the time. I mean, from John Woo on, that became the thing of like the late 90s, early 2000s. But this definitely takes it to a new level, especially in all the chase scenes. Like we have Johnny running through the mall here. And it's, I swear, 20 minutes of him running. They're going to duplicate this exact same shot in the Cyclo City in the climax. 20 minutes of him running through this mall being shot at by cyclos. Well, the only the only two animals that I saw in this movie for were like the rats and then horses. So and when did Johnny's horse get into the mall? Like, I, how did this thing get in the mall all of a sudden? I, I don't know, but like, I was wondering about something. I know it's a little bit later, but when he's like, you know, let's see what this man animal picks to eat or oh, whatever. Oh, that's what we'll, 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 we'll save and it for I'm that. I'm just like, I'm like, what 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 else was there? Like, yeah, is there anything let's else? Save, Ra- let's save it. Let's let's save it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's gonna be a good that's gonna be a good part here. Uh, 
anyways, so there's so much slow-mo here. Uh, Johnny eventually gets stunned, and there's a very unnecessary thing that's coming up later on where they they have to reveal how the stun works on this, and that's going to come up in the next scene because Johnny basically wakes up on the underbelly of this ship and you realize he's been captured. Uh, when they get to the domed Cyclo City, so uh, this is where your gas nose pins are introduced, which is really funny that this is where I think we're low budget and not wanting to hide the actor's faces comes in because there is this thing in the novel where they breathe different air and that has to be in the story. There was really no way to write around it because it's very important, although I can point out a huge plot hole later on. But I'm just going to show you in the novel what... Oh, I like that. I see it. Yeah, it's basically like a full-fledged mask with an air hose. It, it looks, looks, looks like... like an elephant. It face. looks like an elephant trunk coming out of Darth Vader's mask. And this is what they wore in the novel. Now, granted, you don't want to do that for the entire movie. No. I mean, we're two years prior to the first Spider-Man movie being made, which was the first, the closest they ever came to having a superhero mask for the entire movie. And even then, they unmasked him at one point. Uh, but here, the, to, to explain how they get oxygen, so the Cyclos, when they're outside of their dome city, and the humans, when they're inside the dome city, basically put a clothespin on their nose with a chain dangling from it. And I don't know why this chain dangles halfway down their belly, but seriously, how low budget and ghetto does that look? It, it looks pretty funny, I have it's, to be honest. It looks terrible. Yeah. I would just love the poster for this movie. We're looking at the poster right now of John Travolta just to have him with the clothespin on his nose. It just looks stupid. You almost and, wish like they had this, <clears throat> this tiny little device or something just below their nose. Like, just this tiny little thing. Well, like a, a Hitler mustache? That's what you're no, describing. No, no, like how people in, in certain movies or whatever, like in the Star Wars movies, I think they have it, where they're going underwater and they put on this tiny little thing. Oh, on yeah, like nose. a little breather or something like that. I'm just saying, like, I mean, you, you could definitely was, could have done something It's different. one of these things that translates in a novel because you can explain they're wearing a mask and in a novel you can visualize whatever you want. You don't have to worry about seeing somebody's face and seeing their mouth move, but you can't have actors do well, that. Well, and, and they do make it very uh, obvious, too, like um, when... I And I picked up on it watching it this time uh, again, uh, where they're making things more noticeable that you might you might miss very easily. Like, whenever there is the transition between the air, you have Johnny go... <gasps> yeah, and the gasping. Like, and it's just like to basically enforce, oh, without this, he would die. Um, not gonna get our hopes up here, but Rossi may or may not be online. <laughs> we'll see if he's joining us in a minute. Uh, anyways, here's a weird thing that doesn't make sense. So the Cyclos, they have this explanation of the stun gun here, which I don't think was necessary. I think it's clear uh, when... Did I just hear a beep on here? <laughs> I'm here. Okay. Well, let's add Rossi to the call. Jamie, you're gonna have to plug in here as well so you can hear him. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, jeez, oh, very loud. <laughs> it's very loud for you, too. Rossi is here. <laughs> we only just got up to the Cyclo's introduction. <laughs> you didn't miss much. <laughs> uh, um, just before we get to this, <laughs> Rossi, you have watched this movie, right? Um, so about that. <laughs> I got like three minutes in, and I was like, I'm kind of over this Lord of the Rings Star Trek crossover project, so I, I gotta stop watching. Okay, so Rossi's here to say hello and give his take on the first three minutes of the movie. Well, if you explain a scene, I'll I'll give my commentary as per normal. <laughs> I'm so glad that we're so prepared for this podcast. 
Um, I will say you've got one of John Travolta's best characters as your profile pick right now, Bolt the dog. <laughs> um, we're just talking about the Cyclones. Now, you've seen enough to... Did you see enough to see the nose pins, or was that pre-three minutes into this movie? Um, can you explain it? <laughs> so the, the breathing apparatus, the Cyclones... <laughs> Uh, can't breathe outside of their dome city. The humans can't breathe inside the Cyclos air-filled dome city. So they basically wear clothes pin on their nose with chains dangling from it. I think I saw that in a trailer or yeah, something okay. like that. Rossi's here to tell us about the trailer. <laughs> it looks ridiculous, though, anyways. Um, <clears throat> anybody feel the jump in at any point. But So John Travolta gets introduced here. And here's the other thing where I think this movie completely fails. There are difficult things that you have to do in a movie like translate when characters are not speaking English and this movie is one of the worst uh, cases ever for how not to do it because you see the cyclos but you don't even see their mouths move and the first few times you hear them talk it's basically like this deep like like it sounds like what's what am I thinking of Charlie Brown it sounds like the parents from Charlie you, Brown cost with, to, like... You have to listen very closely, otherwise you'd miss it. Yeah, and that's to show, like, the Cyclos are speaking their own language. And then it, you cut to John Travolta, and halfway through him speaking Cyclo, transitions to him speaking English. Yeah. To explain to the audience, when you're hearing John Travolta speak English, he's actually speaking Cyclo. And to be honest with you, I think there's only one part in the movie where you actually really catch that. and oh, that, that would No, no, no. That would be where <laughs> they have that, like, um, that... Uh, machine that's pouring all the information into yeah. Johnny's head and where he's um do you yeah. understand me yeah, well yeah little fella <laughs> <laughs> well, well yeah because the first time that he's ta- saying those things it's in cyclo yeah and and then you realize oh okay, and that's an hour into the English. movie yeah you think they could have done something easier like um i'm trying to think uh i don't think it was like the same thing but like mission impossible ghost protocol they had it when Tom Cruise is listening to something in Russian. Well, you're bringing up Tom Cruise again. That must be a conspiracy. Scientology conspiracy theories here. But you have like the subtitles in Russian on the bottom of the screen. And then it sort of wipes away from that halfway through the subtitle and turns to English. That's a clear way to do it. Now, there's no easy way to show that the character speaking English is not supposed to be speaking English in the story. But this is just so sloppy because the problem is you never see a cyclo's mouth move as you're hearing their voices. So you're just thinking yeah. like, what is this like? some type of uh you know alien creature in the background is this a bear that's growling and if you ever saw their mouths move speaking cyclo mm-hmm. you might understand when it suddenly they start speaking shakespearean because well, even like, and it's john travolta doing uh, his hand acting rossi brought up star trek and even when you watch that and like the newer star trek series when they're speaking klingon they subtitle it yeah and they'll have them speak english after that but it's a clear transition. Just the transition's weird here. They're missing one thing in the movie, though, when they have text that does appear on the screen that... Yeah. <laughs> the 90s <laughs> beeping every time uh, <laughs> a word appears. Um, let's talk about John Travolta's appearance here. So first of all, he's supposed hot. to be like... Seven- Jamie still thinks he's hot. Um, John, Tra- John Travolta. Rossi, first of all, are you a John Travolta fan? Uh, neutral. I'm like the opposite of... I'm not going to say the opposite neutral, because the opposite neutral would be neutral. (laughs) See, you could tell right right where I am, because I was actually wondering for, like, the whole movie, I'm like, I wonder what, like, their private parts look like. (laughs) How are you going to find a way to bring that up with John Travolta? And I was just With his dreadlocks, his 
you know, like gray, dry skin and his, his fingernails. Bare paws. Yeah. yeah no, but I was just like, I was like, well, what if he has like, what what is what is that uh, thing called in like Greek mythology? The the dragon with like the four heads, the Hydra. The Hydra. What, what if he has like a dick Hydra where he has <laughs> where he has like three penises? Well, no, here that's funny. And, and then I was I was thinking to myself, I'm like. Would would I bang like this alien <laughs> I if can't he, if he had here. like a dick hydra? And I'm like, yeah, probably. Interesting point. In the novel Battlefield Earth, Cyclos had ten fingers, or sorry, eleven fingers and eleven toes. So, so there's maybe, an extra digit in there so somewhere. Maybe, with maybe some he of has two dicks. Maybe. Um, maybe he just has three testicles. Who knows? I can't <laughs> believe we're going here already, Jamie. Uh, Rossi, what do you make of the Cyclos appearance in this movie? Nothing, apparently. <laughs> Rossi was here for three minutes, just like his viewing the movie, and now he's out. Uh, Sorry, what... I was watching clips of it. Oh, there we go. You're scanning through. Uh, what do you make of the Cyclos appearance? Either Forrest Whitaker, John Travolta, or any of the others? It just looks like a... a John Travolta looks like a bad um, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean cosplay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does have like this weird corpse pirate thing to it. I mean, I guess Pirates of the Caribbean wouldn't even have to be corpse, just Pirates of the Caribbean. You've read a little bit of the book. Maybe you can shed some light on a this. Little, I love this. I'm the book reader of Rossi as the movie watcher of this. The, the, I read 200 pages of a 1,000-page book. I didn't pay enough attention if the other cycles had this, but the stuff that's on the side of his head, what is that? Uh, those little the, brain things? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I, I didn't get this far into the book, but I have read up on everything else that happened in the book. But apparently there's, like, a chip that's embedded in Cyclos that explains why they're the way they are. Like, why they're so cold and heartless. That it's something that they're programmed to be that way for efficiency. So that would be my only guess. Like a cyborg type of thing? Like like some type of implant that controls their, you know... uh, Like the Borg? Emotions. Maybe a little bit. Not that they're collective, but that it it controls them. It makes them supposed to be very efficient. Vulcan? the opposite effect is that it makes them so vindictive and everything. Yeah. But I was just saying about John Travolta. I mean, I'm like the biggest John Travolta fan you will ever meet. It doesn't matter what the bad Travolta movie is. I'm in. I'm going to watch it. Uh, Rossi left us already. We'll see if he pops back in again. But I love everything John Travolta. And I think that's one of the reasons why I gave this movie more of a chance than most people did. I, I was not even in 2000 going to say this is my favorite Travolta movie. <laughs> ringing again. The ringing's kept in the episode. <laughs> um... But, like, even in 2000, this was not my favorite Travolta movie. But I had enough appreciation for Travolta and for his performance to enjoy it. Uh, based on what you've seen, Jamie, you gave your opinion on how you like his over-the-top acting. I do. Rossi, can you appreciate the over-the-topness in this movie, or is it too much? Well, I think, like, uh, I feel like based on the premise of, like, this really great book that people loved... And to make a movie, I feel like it's a bad idea to do... Like, I feel like if you overtopped, you know, characters in Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, it would come off really insincere. So I think, Mm -hmm. based off that idea, it's bad to have overacting. But based on, like, the reception of the movie and how it turned out, I think it's probably one of the only saving things of the movie is overacting. Here's a question for you guys. Do you guys think that... Because what year was this movie made? 2000. Okay. Do you guys think now with it being almost 20 years later, do you guys think if they did a remake of this movie that they could do it justice? Yeah. I think you I think you could have done it justice in 2000. I think that the problem is is that, you know, I, Rossi, you weren't here for this part, but I was saying like L. Ron Hubbard 
pre-Scientology, pre-everything else, he made his career off writing, you know, B-grade science fiction, you know, decades earlier. So this was sort of his returning to doing that, and that in a way this was always intended to be maybe an A-class, B-class sci-fi movie. But I think that if you embraced it, this movie is almost like two polar opposites. You have it with the human stuff being taken way too seriously, and you have it with the cyclo stuff being taken way too campy. And there's not really a middle ground. I think that's where this movie just gets messed up. Do do the... Um, oh, sorry, Ro- Rossi, did you have anything to add on that? Um, I just think that it got lo- made in the wrong year. It was mm-hmm. made in that, like, 2000s era when everything was all fake. Like, Star Wars prequels came out this time. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, too, right? all, yeah. all, like, fake like CGI stuff that looks so bad mm-hmm. that if it was made like a few years later, it probably would have looked, been ten times better. Like Total Recall, same, same. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the other with thing the, is with that with the third booby, if if this came out 1997, 1998, people embraced Independence Day. Now, Independence Day is an infinitely better movie than this, but I don't find that this is any cheesier than Independence Day. Independence Day just embraced the cheese a little more and handled it a little bit better. But I think if this came out after Independence Day, it's not panned as the worst movie of the decade. It's considered, well, that wasn't such a good movie, but, you know, I guess coming off Independence Day, it's acceptable. And because you also read the book. so I'm asking, I read, again, a I, fraction I, of the book. So I'm, I'm asking you again, because um, I I didn't notice anything in the movie, but the male cyclos, it looked like their mouth and everything was normal, but the female had, like, this long, like, lizard tongue. I think one did. I don't know if that's all the cyclos. Okay. Like, they all look weird and different. Like, every cyclo looks different. I mean, there could be subspecies of cyclos. Who knows? Yeah. I okay. mean, there's there's no concrete. There's no three-boobed cyclo, if that's where you're going. I didn't see any three boobs. Well, I know you didn't see it, but I if you were asking... I was talking about Total Recall with a three... You boobs. already asked about a three-dicked cyclo, so... You know what? It, it could be possible. You know, <laughs> maybe one's just for fun, one's for making babies. Like, you know, who knows? What's the other one for? Mining gold? Maybe. <laughs> they, they're they bred for efficiency, right? Okay, well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a bit about mining gold in a second, because just briefly going through it here, so Johnny gets the gun... <laughs> And he shoots a cyclo. And these cyclos are so baffled that a human could operate a weapon. And this is just the beginning of a long line of scenes where the cyclos are the dumbest pieces in the planet because planet because they conquered humans. They know enough about humans. They could observe enough. They could go to this library that Johnny goes to later on, spend five minutes there and realize humans are not a primitive species and they have some intelligence. But they should know enough, especially since they are building this dome city they have spent a thousand years inside of a dome in denver colorado to know that humans lived here and humans had weapons so why are they so amazed to the point where travolta says if a human used a gun give him your gun now and he gives it to johnny and johnny pulls the trigger again he's like well i didn't see that coming like why are they so shocked that humans understand technology when they conquered a world where humans had technology but out of all places, why would you want to pick a base there, too? Because don't, <coughs> don't they have winter as well? Wouldn't you want to pick... I mean, they're in a dome. Well, yeah, but... I, it's for the mining. Like, they, they came to Earth I mean, to like, mine gold. This like entire we, movie is just about mining gold. Like, we grew up in Winnipeg, but who on Earth would want to, like, migrate <laughs> to here and stay here? Like, who in their right mind when it gets to, like, below minus 50 and colder? Come on. Uh, Rossi, are there a lot of people... I mean, you think a cyclos invaded Earth, Jersey would be, like, the top of their list? California. 
Yeah, you gotta move warm. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, you're not gonna mine gold in Hawaii. Where, where do Where do you live again, Rossi? By New York. By New York. Oh, so Jersey. You, oh, okay, so you have winter too. Yes, they have winter okay. in America. Colin, I'm there's not this, dumb. It's funny because there's this perception that Canadians have that all Americans think that we live in igloos and drive uh, snow dog sleds and stuff like that. Wait, which you I, don't? Well, no, the funny thing is it's perpetuated by the fact that Canadians will pride themselves on traveling to America and telling Americans that's the way we live. So there's probably a reason why that happens. But there's definitely these these myths too about America. Like, I think it, I think that it's just because we're like the nasty little brother though that likes to play tricks. Yeah. Like well, little, we're not polite Canadians. The little just, brother to the we've, US. We've covered that many times. We're not polite Canadians. No, we're but not. But anyways, one of the many dumb cyclo dumb human things on here. Everybody in this movie is so dumb. Um but anyways, they take Johnny. Here we get the next Planet of the Apes reference as we get the humans being hosed down. In a near identical scene to Planet of the Apes, uh, they show the teleportation uh, when this guy shows up from the planet Cyclo and he's like, does all of Earth look like this? Like, oh, I'm afraid so. <laughs> I-, I love John Travolta is just like so disgusted by this planet, but he has like this great Shakespearean quality, which is really fun. You find out here that it's all about mining. The Cyclos basically came here to mine Earth dry. Like, they've been there for a thousand years. How is there anything left to mine? I don't understand. Uh, <clears throat> but John Schultz's character, Turl, he's looking to get promoted off of the planet. He's like the head of security here. Forrest Whitaker Kerr is looking to take over for Travolta. He's his protege. Um, let's breeze through a bunch of stuff here. Um... So, oh, at one point they're they're looking at a picture of a dog, and they're saying, "Oh, this must be the superior uh, race on this planet because it would have to be to have uh, the the man animals, which they call humans, chauffeuring it around." So yeah. again, these cyclos are so dumb. They invaded Earth. They know that the humans are the ones that put up this nine minute fight, as Turl says, and yet they're so dumb that they see a picture of a dog and think the dogs must have been the one that ruled the planet because humans have them on a leash. It's just so stupid. I don't understand it at all. Ross, they you don't see... seem to have. Go. Oh. Oh, I was good. Go ahead. Me. Mm-hmm. I was like, they don't seem to have set up the lore enough. No. In a point where there's so much factual knowledge, like if you have a library, if you have a book on One something, book. but don't know that like dogs are pets instead of like <laughs> another race and like some sort of like weird dominant force in the world like it's just so inconsistent like it's as if this picture of a human walking a dog which they think is a human chauffeuring a dog is the only picture they have ever seen of human history and yet they conquer this planet and still know enough to know that humans put up a nine minute fight against them not dogs humans put up a nine minute fight jamie's just smiling she's got nothing to add um what else do we want to talk about here? Uh, the, oh, so Turl is expecting to be promoted back to the planet of Cyclo. Instead, there's this thing where the, this big boss from Cyclo says, uh, we're going to extend your contract, uh, not for another five cycles, but for 50 cycles with endless options of renewal. And then there's kind of a, a funny cutaway shot where he goes, you know, how was I supposed to know that that was the senator's daughter? <laughs> Which I think I felt like that came up in another movie that we covered recently. Um, but yeah, Travolta is basically being stuck here now. Uh, I'm just going to kind of skip forward to the, um, 
the, the main plot that's coming up here. So when Johnny's now in jail, uh, they feed them with the gruel. And here's one of the very cheesy wannabe Braveheart scenes as they have this, basically a giant trough full of gruel and you have the three bullies who are supposed to be like the, the, the if you go into a jail, you the have the three guys. The alphas. Yeah, these alpha guys in the jail who are like, here's the rules. We eat first, then the rest you can share what's left. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, he seems like a bit of a dick. But then when you they get in the fight, Johnny beats him in the fight, and you see how much food is there. This is like a giant trough full of food, enough to feed an army, and there's approximately 16 people there. Like, why is this even a fight about the food? I don't understand. And we basically have our first big hero moment out of Johnny in this movie, and he's dunking a man's head in gruel. Like, is, it, is it really a hero moment, though, or does he just like not having anyone tell him what to do? Does that make you a hero? Well, there's, that's another good to, point. To like, be, to be Johnny's just defiant with everybody. When he's at his Everyone. tribe, they're like, don't go out there. There's demons out there. I'll go out there and I'm I'll bring I'm my own medicine. man. Shut up. Yeah, he's just defiant of everybody in this movie. Even his girlfriend was like, don't go. And he's like, <laughs> calm your uterus woman and go find another man. Exact quote from Battlefield Earth. <clears throat> that's right. Not exact quote. Um, can we talk about Barry Pepper for a second, though? Like, are either you familiar with it, Barry Pepper who plays it, Johnny? Oh, I thought, okay, I thought that was the singer from, like, the 50s. I'm like, why are you bringing that up? Oh, no, wait, that's Barry Manilow or something, right? (laughs) Yes, Barry Manilow, different person from... I would watch that movie. Barry Manilow in Battlefield Earth. (laughs) Um, Who's Barry Manilow? Why do I know that He's a singer. From the 50s? Well, no, probably, like, the 70s and 80s. Oh, okay. Anyway, so are are you familiar with Barry Pepper who plays Johnny? No. Okay, Rossi, you familiar with Barry Pepper? No. Barry, people people should be familiar with Barry Pepper. Uh, he's one of these guys that's had some really incredible roles, but just has always, I wouldn't even say been outshined, but been in movies with bigger stars. So he got his break in Saving Private Ryan along a bunch of other actors. And what's interesting about that is when Saving Private Ryan came out, my brother and I went to go see the movie and we were talking about like, there's so many of these unknown young actors in the movie and we kind of took bets, and we've done this with several other movies. Yeah, when you, you get, and like, Ian yeah. like to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. whenever, whenever there's like multiple unknown young guys, we always seem to disagree on which one's going to be a bigger star. And this was sort of the beginning of it when we saw Saving Private Ryan, and he said, "Well, Barry Pepper, who goes on to be Johnny in this, is going to be the the big star, the big breakout from this movie." I said, "Vin Diesel, who only had like three or four scenes in the movie, and people." should watch Saving Private Ryan and some of the early movies Vin Diesel did to realize he actually is a really good dramatic actor. He just, he saw the paycheck of action movies. And I thought Vin Diesel had potential to be a big star. And this is sort of always like one of my crowning moments where I'm like, who is Barry Pepper now? But everybody knows Vin Diesel. Hmm. Now, having said that, Barry Pepper, The Green Mile with Tom Hanks, uh, We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson, uh, probably his crowning achievement the 25th hour which is a movie david benioff who went on to create game of thrones or the tv version of game of thrones wrote the novel and movie for that edward norton because he's edward norton took all the attention but all the reviews came out and said barry pepper should have been nominated for an oscar the guy is legitimately like one of the greatest actors nobody's ever heard of and i think the closest he ever got to fame uh was the the kennedy's miniseries when he played bobby kennedy and again not a great miniseries but the best thing in it uh, but it's just sad that Barry Pepper's never gone anywhere. I don't think Barry Pepper's great in this movie, but I don't think it's his fault. It's almost like there's some scenes, like, uh, you've both watched Whose Line Is It? Anyway, Rossi, you've seen Whose Line, right? 
Oh, yeah. You know the game where they play Hollywood director, and they'll play a scene, and then Colin Mockery has to come and say, now play it like this, and they have to change it? It's almost like Roger Christian, the director for this, would say, you know, Barry Pepper, okay, do one take as, you know, All-American Boy. Okay, now go there and do it as William Wallace, and he just slips into his Scottish accent. There are lines in this movie where Barry Pepper has a Scottish accent that comes out of nowhere. I just don't understand it. I, I didn't even catch that. It's so weird. Um, the, Maybe the, he was doing the um, Martina trick of doing an accent to memorize lines. <laughs> yes, listen to the Amazing Race Canada uh, episodes we're covering to learn about doing something... In, we have a Braveheart moment coming up that I'll, that I'll mention where it's very clearly that William Wallace thing. But yeah, um, Martina, we have found a way to mention you even outside of The Amazing Race. Listen to our Bad Movie Month. Uh, we'll talk about Martina and her accents that help with memory, which apparently really works. But I don't know. Can we get quick opinions on Barry Pepper here? At least what you have seen in the movie, which I think all that Rossi saw, three minutes, was Barry Pepper. Jamie, Barry Pepper... Not the best role, but I feel like this kind of plagued him going forward, despite being in some really great movies and really good supporting roles after this. I think that my poop smells better than his acting. Oh, you're doing Sharla. Okay. <laughs> that That's Sharla, the stuffed giraffe, which is another Amazing Race uh, reference here. Barry Pepper's not that bad in this movie. Uh yeah, and you know what? Like, Everybody's bad. In no, it, and he's not and bad. you know what? John Travolta is like really overdoing it with that theatrical Shakespearean type of acting or whatever. But he makes it work. But it's Barry Pepper guy. No, he's over the top and not in a good way. Uh, I'm gonna show you some great Barry no. Pepper stuff. And, and you know what? Like ugly, ugmo. Sorry. <laughs> you are so superficial. <laughs> yeah, John Travolta, even with like a thousand pounds okay. of makeup, he's hot. Uh, Rossi, from what you did see, any take on Barry Pepper? Uh, I can't act. I can't act. Oh. <laughs> Again, this isn't his best movie. I gotta show you guys like twenty fifth hour clip or something. No, uh, although that's I, okay. I, it just went through so many weird stages where he was like the picked on character. I felt like yeah. at, at the beginning, and then all of a sudden that gruel scene in the prison mm-hmm. was like macho. I'm tough too. Ha, Alpha ha, male. Ha. Yeah. It, it just really character change. Yeah, like even when we'll get into it later on. I might as well just say it now, but. When he takes on that leader role, one of the most confusing things that happens in this movie um, is when they're talking about the bomb going off. And uh, one of the other characters saying, I want to be the one to set the bomb off on Cyclo. He goes, no, it's my plan. I should do it. But meanwhile, his entire plan was to save his girlfriend. And his plan to do that was to leave the planet and kill himself. (laughs) There's no logic to his plan half the time. Uh, But I'm just going to say, Barry Pepper, also Canadian actor, great Canadian actor. He's done some good Canadian movies as well. Uh, I will sell you guys on Barry Pepper, uh, even if I have to um, <laughs> force myself to watch something <laughs> really, truly awful uh, to get us into it. But anyway, so well, through all of this, what? Does that say crap salad? Crap lousy ceiling! Uh, crap, oh yeah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> the insult of the cyclos, crap lousy, that comes up over and over again, I don't understand. Um... I've totally lost my spot where we are in here. But anyways, the idea is Johnny's the new alpha male. Uh, the Cyclos discovered a gold site that they can't reach, so they can't mine this gold because of the radiation there is deadly to them. Um, we have this talk of a worker revolt. We have so much discussion of business and corporate politics. Why in a movie? This is where I think there's that weird uh, one polar opposite to the other. In a movie that is cheesy, B-grade, sci-fi alien versus human action 
is so much of this movie about boardroom politics and corporate politics and uh, corporate agendas and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's so much overkill on talking about, you know, oh, the workers may revolt. Well, we need to find cheaper workers then. We'll send them here and then we'll change their wages. And these scenes go on for like 10 minutes. Like, yeah, this movie crams probably about 350 scenes into a 120-minute movie where so many of these scenes are over in 30 seconds. And then we get this scene with the Cyclos getting a manicure, which, by the way, these Cyclos have eight-inch long, eight long fingernails. Talons. And they're getting a manicure, apparently, and talking corporate politics. What is this? It's like yeah. the... Um first Star Wars prequel that was all about taxes and war trades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's and again, I'm I'm like I'm not a big hater on the Phantom Menace, but like obviously it was <laughs> Batman and Robin's your favorite Star or uh, Batman movie. Um but yeah, that's a good comparison because people always say like for a Star Wars movie, did you really need especially the one that was most clearly geared towards children to be about taxing, trade d- disputes and things like that and all this politics? And this movie does the exact same thing. I mean, they were making this movie around the time the Phantomist came up, so they weren't going to learn any lessons from it. But yeah, it's just, there's so much of that in this movie, and I, I just, I zone out in all these scenes. Um, so, Turl comes up with the plan where he says, we can train man animals to mine. Uh, and they're like, train them to operate machines? It's not possible that a man animal can operate machines, except you are living in a city that you conquered from humans who are operating machines. Why are they so dumb? I don't know. It's that ridiculous. That actually doesn't really make sense, yeah. There's a brief scene here where a tower collapses out of nowhere, so Johnny runs. One of about 14 escapes that Johnny has in this movie, and he keeps coming back for some reason. Yeah, he, he's an idiot. It's not that he's an idiot. It's just it's a poor way of making a movie to have half of your movie be boardroom politics and half your movie be a hero escaping coming or being brought back escaping being brought back being allowed to escape and then you bring him back being set free to do work and he actually does escape and he chooses to come back there are four or five times in this movie where johnny is gone and comes back and it's not even made to be part of the story it's just something that happens for no reason and um here's the here's the other thing here so when johnny runs they want to terminate him and Turl thinks that, oh, I've got an idea here. I can <laughs> I can program this human. So he picks apart him because he's smarter than the average man-animal. And he plops him into this machine to teach him the cyclo language. Now, why in 1,000 years this has never occurred to anybody else, I don't know. They have been there for 1,000 years. Why is this the first guy who's been like, let's see what happens if we, you know, put all of our knowledge machine into its head? Well, especially with uh, when they would have first taken over and stuff like that and people wouldn't have been as primitive even at that point, right? Mm-hmm. You you would have had them show more signs of intelligence. Yeah. And another thing that happens here is uh, more corporate politics. Um, John Travolta comes up with a plan about training the man animals to mine. And he records Forrest Whitaker repeating the plan back to him. Feigns outrage so he can get a recording of him. And it just becomes a movie about endless blackmail as well. Another thing that's just this movie could have used a lot less of. Um, Let's get to the best part of the whole movie. Now, this is where it is both 
unintentionally funny and intentionally funny at the same time. Rossi, please tell me you've seen the scene with the rats. I'm going to it now. Okay, I mean, they'll probably lose some of the context without what's going on, so I'll set it up. Um, so they figure, well, food is how we motivate these man animals because they have to eat. So how do we get them to do our mining and do what we want? Let's set them free. And I think this might have even been before he puts them in the machine. But let's set them. Yeah, it is. So let's set them free out into the wild. We'll give them a few days head start, but we'll follow them or we'll, we'll bug them. And we'll find out what they like to eat. Like, again, this is the best option you can come up with for how to blackmail a human into doing what you want. When you know you have to teach them the, the language and the mining stuff anyways, let's find out what they like to eat. So hilarious scene here when they again let Johnny run away after he's already escaped twice and been brought back twice. Let's let him escape. Let's tell you <coughs> that we're going to let him escape, but let's not show you how they let him escape. Another huge mistake they make just in storytelling this movie. And they get three days away and the humans are all like, oh, we're so hungry. And Forrest Whitaker <laughs> and John Travolta are watching this thing. They've been gone for three days. They haven't eaten yet. Eventually, Johnny catches a rat in the snow and eats the thing raw as the other two are sitting around not watching it. Uh, first of all, why this is part of the movie, I don't know. How it becomes such a major plot point of him constantly trying to feed him rats later on, I don't know. But this discussion between John Travolta, it leads to the rat brain comic, which comes up. The discussion between Travolta and Forrest Whitaker here is so funny and intentionally funny at times, where I think they really nailed some comedy in this movie. When he's like, that's it. It's rats. It could have had anything it wanted. Which, as you brought up, Jamie, what's the error in that? There there's, was nothing else there's around. Like, they've been traveling for three days. Like He could have had any food he wanted. Turtles literally watched him for three days, find no food, and then in desperation eat a rat. And he's like, he could have had anything he wanted. This must be his favorite food. There, there's nothing else around. <clears throat> but then he's like, well, then Forrest Whitaker's like, if it's so good, why aren't the other two eating it? As these guys are like, ugh. He's like... <laughs> Of course, the leader is going to eat first. <laughs> he understands the logic of these jailyard guys. Um, this scene is incredible for the right reasons and wrong reasons. Uh, it leads to the whole rat brain thing. And again, we'll bridge into the whole when he feeds Johnny all, all the, the knowledge machine to train him the cyclo language and everything. And he constantly is literally shoving a rat in his face. And I think the first line he has is, Do you want a rat? Little fella, as it's translating, if that's that moment where it's like, do you understand me? As it's, <laughs> as it's uh, I'll, translated I'll, I'll into like, cyclic English. I like the fluctuations of your voice. Well, and then when he's You're feeding him like more information from the machine, and he literally grabs Johnny, and he thrusts a rat in his face, and what's the line he, he has here? I have it written down. Uh, first do you was want some lunch? Uh, first was a, a hungry little fella. <laughs> And then later on, oh god, you when have he's a like, whole another page. No, oh my yeah. Gosh. Like, Do you want some lunch? <laughs> Shoving a rat in his face—it's so good. Uh, Rossi, what have you seen of that scene now? Nothing. He's still watching it. He's listening to the scene, not us. Uh, Jamie, you can give your opinion on that in a second, but. This is so bad it's good, and it's so good it's good. I think that this is uh, hilarious. I should also mention that Johnny, in the midst of this, has learned about basic, basic mathematics basic. and everything. Basic, basic mathematics. Basic mathematics and everything. That's going to come up later on. Um, Rossi, at any point, feel to drop in. 
feel free to drop in here as I'm yawning. <laughs> About the um, translation Go. of yeah. it all, like I was, I was noticing that it was like not even like proper English. Like, you know, it's when you someone of another language tries to teach you another language. Yeah, and it's like that's not how it, people in like who speak English talk. Mm-hmm. It's like when you first learn a language and you're like, oh, English is hard, and it's like so confusing, and you're like saying bathroom I will go to, like the Yoda yeah. language. <laughs> Instead of like I want a cake, it's just all mixed up language. Mm-hmm. It's jarbled. It's, it was just so weird to see that. And like, and, the, the whole eating of the rat was so gross. But What's even funnier is that like, Travolta can, this becomes something that comes up in about five or six other scenes again, where it's just constantly, I will feed him his rat, his favorite food. It's just, again, showing how dumb they are. Here's another thing on the language as Jamie's <coughs> getting me some water for my sore throat. Thank you, Jamie. Um, I'm a good wife. I'm a good wife, she says. Um, the translation. Now, again, it's, it's not a lot of movies have to do this to show that they're speaking a different language, but for the sake of the audience, they'll speak English, but it's not supposed to be English. Why are the voices completely different? Why do the cyclos speak in this low, growly voice? And then it gets to Travolta and, you know, he's doing his, Do you want some lunch? <laughs> And do you understand me? And then he's Cyclo's like, when, it, when it'll actually show Johnny in the very same scene, speaking Cyclo, and Charles like, yes, and he's like this deep Russian accent almost. The accent, the voice completely changes. Wouldn't an easier way to do this have him be John Travolta speaking these two languages? Yes. yes. Jamie. Agreed. Jamie, come back and tell us about the rat scene. I'm coming. She's coming. It was also weird we said, dialogue from Travolta. It was like, see, the leader of the pack goes first. Mm-hmm. And it's like, vital information, this is. It's like, what? <laughs> He's speaking like Yoda. That's <laughs> all I can make sure the language has now. Um, so the teaching machine, I'll let Jamie... Jamie's in here now. So talk about the rat scene, my favorite part of the movie. Which scene is this again? The rat. I already talked about it. You didn't say anything. <laughs> no, I, I said when they were uh, when they were going out to find food, and it's like, see, see, that's his favorite. I know. And there was nothing was else the story, there. But... Right. <laughs> what do you think? Of, do you find the humor in him? You know, do you want some lunch and all that? Yeah. Was it? You were quoting <laughs> it, and it was. It was. <laughs> you. you were, what? You were, Sorry. You you were quoting it. It was funny, and I did. The, yeah. Do you want to know why he's laughing, Rossi? No, I didn't even think you know why I'm laughing. Yeah, I know why you're laughing, and I'm going to share it with everyone. No, no, no. You, you honestly don't know why I'm laughing. It's the fact that I don't know what you're planning on sharing, but please don't. Uh, that usually ends up as a disaster on this show. But when I was like. Jamie, you have anything to add? Did you find the humor in it? You're like, yeah, what? You were quoting, and it was funny. <laughs> you just suddenly lost the ability to speak the human language. I always have that happen on these Do days. you understand me, Jamie? <laughs> no, but, but... Do you want some lunch? You're going to wake the boy up. <laughs> Shut up. No, but... Are you hungry, little fella? <laughs> but, Ro- Rossi, are you still there? Unfortunately. Okay. 
last night after we finished watching a part of this movie, it was so funny because, <laughs> and and he did it in good fun. He didn't hurt me or anything like that. It was funny, but he, he grabs my hair a little bit. <laughs> what was it? You said, do you want some lunch? No, no. Like this, the well, same the way. The way it started was we'd finished watching the movie and... She comes. She comes in. She's like sits down next to oh, me. Oh yeah, I was, try- I was trying to cuddle, cuddle you. She's trying to you cuddle me or whatever. Yeah. And I literally just grab her by the back of her head and I scream in here. Do you want some lunch? <laughs> and I was, and it caught me off guard. So I was like, ah. Oh. And, and then I grabbed his hair and he's like, ow, oh, that hurt. Yeah. I'm like, well, what did you think? Like, <laughs> what's a more iconic line? Do you want some lunch or oh hi, Mark? <laughs> They're both going to be quoted endlessly in this house. <laughs> Funny story, Rossi. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, Jamie's regained the ability to speak English here. <laughs> Thank you. We just fed the English knowledge machine into her. What? He was constantly grunting in this movie. I don't get Um So Johnny's learnt basic mathematics here molecular biology he's explaining all this stuff and you have all the humans sitting around watching him they're like i thought that like he's like yeah a triangle is equal on all sides and molecular biology and machine operation computer pop, computer pop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and every all the other humans here is like i thought that this was going to help us escape he goes it is and we slowly start to get his plan which the movie gets slightly more interesting from this point on for me um so they take him to a library like this is turl taking johnny to a library Are you checking me for a fever <laughs> Because I see, I said the movie gets slightly more interesting here, and Jamie literally puts her hands on my head, checking me for a fever. <laughs> um, he takes him on a trip to the library here, and uh, he is basically showing him, this is human history. This is where you can see that you people were defeated. So we know that Turl knows something about humans. So why does he keep thinking they can't fire a gun? They can't. I mean, I get he's the only one who believes you can train them to mine, but he's still like... You know, thinks that they eat rats for lunch and all that. There's just no knowledge here. Did, did you notice that the the writing for the uh, cyclo species it looks a lot like Arabic? Arabic. Arabic. <laughs> You've lost the ability to speak Arabic as well. I said Arabic. I mean, it looked like a foreign language. I don't know. I only know the writing for English, so I couldn't tell you what Arabic looks like. Well, I'm not as versed on the Arabic language as you are. Okay. Is that some racist comment about Arabics being cyclos? <laughs> no. Jamie's a racist. I'm not racist. We all bleed the same color. Cyclos don't. They don't bleed at all, as we find out later on in the movie. They don't? No. What, John Travolta just loses his arm, and it just, he just stands there. Oh, look at that. Lost an arm. So, like, their women don't get periods? What? <laughs> what? I was... Everything that reproduces has a period. Dogs get periods. Oh, boy. <laughs> what? Let's move on. Unless you have something to add on that, Rossi. <laughs> I do have an, a random point that annoyed me See, while oh, thank seeing God some of it. Please tell me it's not to do with dogs having their periods. Um, <coughs> no, it was that all of the transitions looked like presentation PowerPoints for school <laughs> with the slide and the, the wipes. <laughs> Like, when they just open, like, a book, it's like, I could do that on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, it was it was 2000. It was cool, man. 
What are you laughing at? When you mentioned the PowerPoint thing, <laughs> it reminded me of when I was in school, and I'm like, yeah, this looks like garbage. <laughs> I don't think that was his point, that school was garbage. I think his point was that it looks garbage in the movie. I was a bad student. My stuff looked like crap. Okay, back to the movie here. <laughs> um, so Johnny agrees to help them mine the gold. So they take Johnny and a bunch of humans out, um, and he tells them here that he could kill a man at a thousand paces. Or he's asking him to translate here. Uh, I love this scene when he's trying to bargain with Johnny, and uh, he's talking to all the humans, and he's like, "You will mine my gold, and you will do as I say, and I will be watching. And just know that I can." I was tops marksman in the academy, and I can kill any of you at a thousand paces. He gives this incredible speech, and then he asks Johnny to translate for him. He goes, "Run!" and he kills us, and that's all he says. And Turtle just looks at him and goes, "That's it?" Like again, that was kind of a funny part of the movie here. But here's where he just says, "And to show you I'm serious, let me shoot a bunch of random cows." <laughs> he just, <laughs> he just, he just like, keeps n- knocking their legs off, like yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, they're not dead, so those those poor cows, hours later, are going to just be on the grass like, Mah. Well, yeah, like, they're, they're not bleeding. So, so sorry, like, I, I said I only saw uh, uh, horses and rats in the movie. I forgot <coughs> we saw cows, too. So, like, why wouldn't they have tried to actually eat those cows, too? The man animals? Yeah, wouldn't it have been better? Well, maybe they did. I don't know. Like, Turtle kind of leaves here. Like, come on, big juicy steak or a rat meat? What would you rather eat? <laughs> Anyways. Cows uh, so are an he... advanced species for the human people. <laughs> Much like dogs. And Arabic. <laughs> right, Jamie? <laughs> Shh. You. <laughs> um, so anyways, the, what would you call them? The tribesmen here invade as Turles basically, you know, tell him how uh, he'll kill them all unless they do what he says. And Turl's suddenly on the ground at gunpoint. Johnny's got a gun on him. And all humans are saying, let's go now. And this is where Johnny has his uh, Braveheart speech. Where he's like, uh, where are we going to go if we run? And it's like, uh, wherever we run, they'll find us. And uh, that this is where he has that line from the trailer. He goes, what if we took this one chance and we fought? And he says it like this, <laughs> William Wallace. And we fought! <laughs> and he slips into his, and now try it, Scottish! <laughs> Well, because there's that part in Braveheart, and I just watched the movie recently, so I know which part you're talking about. It's like, it's like, would you give up this day? Yeah. For that, uh, this day until that, uh, or no, you know what scene I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I know where, the scene where he's like, you know, when you th- when you're warm in your beds, would you be willing to give up all the days from this day till that to have one chance to fight for your freedom? <laughs> Or whatever. That's fair. It's the exact it's, same speech. They're it's trying so hard. But even it, with it's, it's like the it's like uh, the room where where he's like you're tearing me apart. <laughs> <laughs> Can I find another Cause, comparison cause, here? Because that's actually a, that's actually a real movie line. I, I I found lots of comparisons to Planet of the Apes. Even the idea that there's one really smart human. That they think, well, this human's different and we can use him for something. And they're all like, well, humans are no good except for as beasts. And didn't you say that there was a shower scene too? Well, no, like when that? they're hosing them down. Yeah, yeah, that's It's what exactly I mean. the same that's as them hosing I mean. down Charlton Heston in uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, but Get your pads off me, you dirty ape. <laughs> <laughs> different movie. Uh, bad movie in the month next year. Just wait till you hear me rant on Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Uh, but anyways, comparison here with Braveheart, not just like the Johnny character, but the fact that in this fight that they have, 
you have these other tribesmen mm. clearly representing the, how the Irish come in in Braveheart, and they're sort of like, we're with you too, Johnny! <laughs> and they, they just disappear suddenly. And this is where Johnny turns over the gun, He's a, and he's basically, because Turl can't understand what he's saying in English, he's like, I know that you could have killed me if you had the chance, so I surrender myself to you. Ireland is my island. Yes, the different movie. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the whole plan here is they, they teach Johnny how to fly, uh, Turl teaches him how to fly, and they um, set them loose in a mine. So now this movie is all about corporate politics and mining. They set them loose in the mine that the cyclists can't get close enough to because they'll die from some radiation that is only in the mountains in Colorado and nowhere else. Why they're mining in Colorado, if it's apparently poisonous to them, I don't know. Why they spent a thousand years mining in Colorado, I don't know. Um, but they basically say the humans, oh, you're there, but we'll be watching you. So again, something that's so dumb in this movie, they had cameras positioned on Johnny when they first let them escape, one of the first of 16 escapes. And... Here they just say, we'll watch you. And once a day, they send a drone overhead to take pictures of them. And they're just trusting that they're going to trust these ships to them to mine their gold. And I understand that this is Turl's way out, where he's like, I'll get enough money from this because we'll never get this much you know, gold from anywhere else. But like, he's just taking for granted. He trained one human how to mine. He didn't train all these humans. Mm-hmm. And if he knew it worked on Johnny, why wouldn't he put all of them in the, the, the knowledge machine or whatever? No. Because knowledge is a powerful thing. They'll, they'll all take over if he does that. Be but too they, they're going to take over just from Johnny doing it? They'll be too smart. He picked the smartest human by his own admission and said, I'm going to teach him everything about the cyclo language, our species, our technology, and I'm going to turn him loose with a giant spaceship to go wherever he wants. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's kind of, they're um, dumb. There's a lot in this movie that doesn't really make sense, though. Nothing makes sense in this movie. Um, Who was this movie targeted towards? <laughs> I mean, for, I would for think forty-year-old virgin guys. No, I, I, I was. I would think it was targeted towards like the Star Wars crowd, but it's too serious at times to really be the Star Wars crowd. I mean, especially with those PowerPoint wipes, as you said, which are done way better in Star Wars, uh, and even the fact that John Travolta, when he wanted to make this movie in the eighties, uh, when he would have starred as Johnny his idea was well we'll make it something like Star Wars so I would guess like a Star Wars like crowd because I feel like there's way too much like cool characters there's way too few like unnecessarily sexy women like casually in bathing suits or something like there's just not enough things to it there's too much war politics like Mm -hmm. Rossi wants more people to take their clothes off. <laughs> Rossi! <laughs> Look, can this be the, the room? They, they did enough taking off their clothes. <laughs> Didn't you get enough last week? <laughs> not enough. I'm not in love with Johnny well, anymore. It is a good point, because, like, nobody in this movie is really relatable. Nobody looks particularly cool, like you said. Nothing sexy about any of the characters. And not to say, like, if you're watching The Phantom Menace, you know people i mean you got kids and old men for the most part and darth maul um but still like the characters have unique looks like darth maul looks cool john Fulton, i mean i think it's 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 good for its genre but it doesn't fit it like you're not going to get a lot of action figures out of this or toys or anything like that like what was their merchandising opportunity off of the nose lo- plugs the nose plugs yes they were gonna sell clothespins <laughs> with chains on it to children no pr- probably the, the guns the, the guns aren't even interesting in this movie. They're not really, uh, yeah. It looks like a box with a handle. 
Um, they they did look kind of weird, didn't they? I want to talk about Johnny's plan here, which I guess it makes sense. But again, you have to understand that the 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 cyclos are the dumbest species on the planet. Uh, Johnny's like they're going to be spying on us once a day, so let's take half of our men and leave. And then it's like, oh well, how are we going to mine the gold? Well, we don't have to mine the gold. There's a place called Fort Knox I read about. We'll break into Fort Knox. This is Goldfinger, James Bond here, and we'll take the gold from there. Oh, and then what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to come up with a battle plan to beat the uh, the cyclos. Uh, there's this other place called Fort Hood where we can get weapons. Okay, and one character I actually really do like in this movie is Carlos. Carlo? Carlos or Carlo? Carlo. I don't know. His friend that blows up the dome at the end. Uh, another great Canadian actor here, Kim Coates. He hasn't been in a lot of like other great things, but a few things he's popped up in. But I think he's probably the most fun character in the movie without being too over the top. Any opinion on Carlo here? Uh, no, but... Uh... To kind of add on to what you were just talking about, that well, like uh, about <coughs> the cyclos, kind of how would you say it? It doesn't really make sense uh, the way that they're explained to be. Like they're like super cold, um, just uh, heartless. Very, yeah, very uh, calculating and uh, things like that, and efficient. Uh, all these different words to describe them. And you would think that with them actually taking over the Earth for a thousand years, that they would actually... Um, they don't establish whether or not they can uh, read the human's writing or they whatever. They should be able but, to, you would think. But even with the speech, like they can't understand what they're saying, obviously, because these, these guys are talking behind their backs and they don't give any reaction. Mm -hmm. But um, where I'm going with that, though, I had a point is... You know, you would think that if you were this cold, calculated, efficient type of race or whatever, that if your reason for coming to the planet is basically to use up all its resources, that you would uh, have these different ways to find out all of these resources, even something huge and obvious like Fort Knox. Yeah. You know, like... like yeah, they would know where to go there. <clears throat> but they, they, they say later on, Johnny says, oh, I hope that their satellites or their cameras can't see through the lead walls of this place. But even still... Like, Turl took him to a library because Turl knew that that library contained information on what the human race was. Yeah, but I mean, like... So he, they should know again. But, and again, even if there was some reason that they couldn't go into Fort Knox, like, radiation or whatever, like, uh, again, they could have, you know, figured out to send humans in there or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. There, there's so many plot holes in this movie. And, you know, a massive one here, um, the camera... When Johnny escapes the first time, they put a camera on his button. Now, Johnny discovers that and throws it away. But what I did miss is that at this point in the movie, Johnny's girlfriend, who I don't even know the name of her character or she's ever given one, she all of a sudden, well, she left her colony. We saw that. She was going after Johnny. Mm -hmm. And Turl shows up with her. And this is after the cow shooting scene where he puts this explosive, necklace. explosive necklace around her neck where he's like, I'll blow her head off if you cross me. Now, Turl then says, I'll be watching you. And he basically sends a drone over the sky once every day. We already know they have cameras that you can literally pin to a person watching 24-7. Johnny's not going to take it off if you say, I will kill your girlfriend if you do anything different. They should be surveilling this. It, it, it makes no sense that this, not even this alien species, they make a massive point in the plot about the fact, it becomes huge later on, that John Travolta records everything yeah. in his office. Which is why you have all this blackmail material floating around. Yeah. So why is he not recording every second of Johnny doing this mining? Yeah. Even with uh, the cameras, the 
what did they call them again? The the drones, the the pin cameras or whatever. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know on his button. Yeah, yeah, like uh, they're they're just trusting them with mm-hmm. with, <laughs> with all of this stuff, and it just seems like okay, it's so convenient for the plot. <laughs> but because yeah, like two seconds ago, I mean, the the guy was saying, um, Terrell, he was saying uh, to this guard who uh, witnessed uh, Johnny shooting somebody. He's like, you know, that'll be the day. Uh, I'm not going to believe you that he did it. A I'm... human shooting, or man-animal shooting a cyclo? Yeah, he's like, give him a gun, let me see it. And then he's like, see, you're an idiot, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he does actually kill him. He's like, well, I'll be damned. Yeah. <laughs> and which, which is funny, because that's not actually the first time he said that line. Yeah. In a movie. And you listen to the line, and it's like, oh, John Travolta said that in other movies. Not entirely sure you're going with that, but okay. <laughs> No, I'm I'm just saying like it it doesn't make sense because it, it, one second of the movie he's so cold towards them saying like they're just idiots and so primal like it would be like what we would think of like just let's say even like some animal on the street like a rat or something he thinks they have the same type of intelligence and now he's trusting him with all the stuff like well, how did that come to be Yeah, well they there's so much in this movie also about getting leverage over it like you, that's why you constantly watch these people, why he says he does it, because you always want to have leverage. This is that big corporate politics thing. And, like, they've they've taken over the Earth for a thousand years, and this, yeah. this is the one and only intelligent human yeah, out, exactly. out of everyone? The first one that they've encountered. <laughs> um, Planet of the Apes all over again. Uh, just going through what some of Johnny's plan is here. So the uh, the Irishman show up here, which, by the way, in the book, apparently he flew him to Scotland and they picked up a bunch of Scottish people. So maybe L. Ron Hubbard, pre-Braveheart, had like this Braveheart idea in his head. Uh, but here it's just these guys in the wilderness. They're there to basically fill out so that when the, the, the drones come overhead, it looks like there's just as many men working there. Johnny and a few guys go to... First Fort Hood, where they get all these weapons, because they're like, well, we can't beat them with sticks and stones. We could beat them with weapons. They learn how to use all these weapons, apparently. Uh, they learn how to fly jets in seven days. Yeah. <laughs> not That's very real. Not through a knowledge machine, through a flight simulator. Um, and they learn how to disarm and detonate a thermonuclear warhead. <laughs> Makes logical sense, right? Yeah, sure. Um, also... Great moment here in the Fort Hood scene when they're trying to figure out how to disarm or remove the uh, arming mechanism from the nuclear warhead. They're looking through the book. They're like, oh, it says how to do this in Appendix A. We don't have Appendix A. One guy leans against a projector and it turns on. A thousand years after civilization has been wiped out, apparently there is still... A hydro plant somewhere providing Fort Hood with electricity. A thousand years later, nothing else has power in this movie, but this one projector magically works. Maybe that building is solar powered. <sighs> Rossi, do you have anything to add on any of this stuff? I love the the nuclear warhead. It, it gave so much intensity to this already intense movie. Yeah, when the projector goes off, and they're all like, oh, we're dead, we're dead. <laughs> and then Carlo's like... I, th- I thought that a nuclear bomb was supposed to wipe you out right away. It's like, that wasn't a nuclear bomb. And again, these humans are so smart that they know how to disarm a nuclear warhead, and yet when the projector's on, they're like, what is this sorcery that's projecting on your face, Carlo? <laughs> Ugh, they're so dumb. Everybody's so dumb in this movie, yet they try to make them so smart. <laughs> and they're still grunting like apes in the movie. <laughs> Crap, lousy man-animals. Um, 
they go to Fort Knox. They steal all the gold from there. I like Wait, when they take it back. How do they know about Fort Knox? And they don't know that dogs <laughs> were pets. Well, I mean, the, the, that's the thing is that the the cyclos don't know about Fort Knox. Apparently, the humans found out about it in the library. The library, by the way, that John Travolta took Barry Pepper to, so he should know everything in there. This is exactly what you said, Jamie. Why do they not know about Fort Knox? Yeah. But anyway, so they bring back the bars of gold, and Travolta comes at his halfway checkpoint of his three weeks that they had to mine the gold. And uh, he even says, like, why is it in bars? As I figured a cyclo of your uh, elegance wouldn't accept anything less. And he goes, well, since you had time to smelt it into bricks, I will give you seven days. That was actually a really good John Travolta impression. Thank you. That's always been my favorite line of this movie. I mean, now my favorite line is, do you want lunch? <laughs> but... The line I always Are you hungry little fella. <laughs> the line I always remembered from this movie, even when I saw it when I was a teenager, was that since you had time to smelt it into bricks. <laughs> I just love his overacting and also just the fact that he should be figuring there is no way these humans they don't have the tools <laughs> to smelt it into bricks. They're so dumb. Um it's getting painful here, but I still think there's some entertainment at this point in the movie. Uh he gives him seven days now instead of the 14 days he was supposed to have left or whatever. Uh, and then getting to the climax here, Johnny suddenly appears. Like this is where it's weird because they adapted half of a book so they didn't have to leave out a bunch of stuff. So they said, we'll take the first half of the book um, and that'll be it. But yet it still feels like there's a ton of stuff left out here because Johnny's there delivering the bricks to him. And the very next scene, we see him walking in and talking to Kerr. And that's Forrest Whitaker's character. When he's like, what are you doing in here, man animal? And uh, he's uh, basically explaining, hey, Turl's got secret recordings of you. Which again, Johnny just, he's smart enough to know all these things. Uh, he's going to turn on you and he kind of just walks away. Or Kerr lets him go away here. Uh, but then the rebellion just starts. There's no point in the movie where they build to this climax. And I think that's really important because you take even a movie like Phantom Menace, which again has its flaws, but yeah, I th- I'm a I defender of stuff I think you're in waiting there. for something to happen. Well, yeah, because if you look at the Phantom Menace, they have all those political scenes, but then they say, we're going back to Naboo. They get there and they say, we're going to need help. All right, now we have our help. Okay, now we need a plan. Okay, here's our plan. Okay, now we're going to go in there. Oh, there's Darth Maul. Now you get to the climax. This is like, here's our plan. We're going to get this. Oh, now you have seven days left. I'm going to go. I'm going to talk to Kerr. Hey, now the rebellion starts. It just comes out of nowhere in this movie. Hmm. And I basically have almost no notes left after this point because it's just one big battle, which, by the way, is not that bad. Like, for people who say this is the worst movie ever made, at least you can follow the action. You can follow the story here, as dumb as it may be at times. It's not impossible to follow. Like, there are moments in Gods of Egypt where it's you can't even follow what's going on, nor does it make any sense, and, and the action sloppy. And on multiple viewings, it's a bit better, but it is still hard to understand. I will agree with that, but I like it. I don't know. I love. You're talking I'm, about gods of Egypt. Yeah, here. I love Egyptian things. It's not an Egyptian thing. It's it's garbage. Um. Anyways, so uh, we get the the scene where Kerr now tries to bargain with Turl right before the climax happens here. So they're getting ready to prepare for their big battle, and. Uh, Kerr's basically saying, you know, oh, I think an 80-20 split is fair because he's playing the recording that he now has of Turl doing something dastardly, um, which I know you've seen this, Jamie, but Rossi, have you ever watched any of the Star Trek shows? Very few. Are you familiar with the race called the Ferengi? Oh, yeah. Uh, not ringing a bell right now? 
Well, they're introduced to the next generation. Uh, one of the main characters on Deep Space Nine was a Ferengi that ran like the bar on the space station. And the idea behind the Ferengis is that they basically were the same thing as the Cyclos here. They're this race that's just bent on capitalism. They're all conniving. They're all backstabbing each other. They'll pat each other on the back when they, you know, cheat each other and things like that. And it's just, it's so obvious to me watching this that this isn't a case because the book was written like a decade before those were created. It's a case of Star Trek actually ripping off something from Battlefield Earth. Uh, but just, there's so many comparisons here with them always stabbing each other in the back. Uh, one of my favorite moments here with John Travolta, though, is when <coughs> you think Kerr has him because he's like, I got this recording. I think an 80-20 split is good. And I think I'd like your job. And I'd like this, too. And Terrell's like, you've really got me now, Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> um, he's like, uh, uh, but what about the recording? And he's like, well, I send a copy of your recording to a friend and you're not going to know who it is. He goes, why, it could be anybody. <laughs> this is Travolta here saying, uh, it, you could have given it to a mechanic. A concubine, a communications officer, or could it have been the friendly bartender? And he raises the severed head of the friendly bartender that he has just killed and gotten the recording of. And now Forrest Whitaker's plan is shot. Can I also say, do you know the the cyclo, the one with the huge jowls? Mm-hmm. You know who I immediately thought of when I saw that? What is this you're pulling up here? I don't know what this is. You don't remember this? No. It's the really fat vampire from Blade. No, I don't remember the fat vampire from Blade. It's the one that they, they like, threatens to I shine a light on him to burn him. I can see the similarities here, but I think this is another one of Jamie's attack, attacks on obesity. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, like I'm fat, okay? Yeah, well, you're not fat, Jamie. I am. Um, you're in shape still. Yeah, round. Round is a shape. <laughs> hey, anyways. <laughs> you weigh, like, 20 pounds less than me. Shut hey, up, Colin. Anyways. Anyways, um, no, but it is, it is funny that, that you picked apart the one fat cyclo and the one fat vampire and said, you know what this fat cyclo reminds me of? The fat vampire. Yeah. There's something else that it reminds me of too, but I can't remember. And it wasn't Jabba the Hutt. It was another like fat jowl thing. Probably some other fat character from some other fat movie. I don't know. Some Was some, it Fat Amy from Pitch Perfect? You know what though? Do you know what the fat thing reminded me of? Okay, you know what Fat though? Amy. You know what though? It's not always about a person's weight. Sometimes their face is just that ugly. That's that's why it's a combination. You see that that show that you like? I can't watch it because Lost. I, yeah, I can't. Are you wa- a fan of Lost, Rossi? Hold on, I can't watch it before Rossi answers it. Well, well I, you're, I, you're gonna try I, to prejudice his answer. No, I, I can't watch it because <laughs> not only is the guy like very fat and he looks disgusting because he looks like he doesn't take care of himself. But <laughs> But, he, oh, but he's on. so repulsingly ugly. You watch Lost, Rossi? I tried. I've never gotten into it. Yeah, okay. you know why? Because of the repulsive it's because, Yeah, it's because of Hurley. That's the whole reason nobody watches Lost, right? That that was the what killed it for me. <laughs> See? Like, I can just, like, smell his armpits from here. Oh, I don't want to watch him. There's some people that I don't enjoy to watch on screen, and it's not even always about their weight. Like, even Angelina Jolie, every single time I watch a movie with her, I always feel like I gotta go shower. Like, there's just something, <laughs> just something dirty about her. I don't know. I just don't. And I'm like. And a, yet, you love John Travolta's like, dirty fingernails and, and teeth. And I'm like a really naughty person. Oh, but, come but, on. But no, seriously, I'm a really dirty person. But there's something, like, just <laughs> weird and wrong about her. And I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. So back on topic here. <laughs> Anything you want to add on Angelina Jolie, Rossi, or Jamie's prejudice against fat people? <laughs> I'm not prejudiced. My goodness. 
Um, I hate to bring up the Star Wars again, <laughs> but I can't help but notice that when they need to have good aim, they do, and when they need to have stormtrooper aim, they do. Yeah. <laughs> like, Johnny gets, like, 30 shots fired at him, but they all miss. And oh, then the he one, gets... like, character of color gets shot right away. Not only does he get 30 shots fired at him, he gets 30 shots fired at him in slow motion. And I think that's still running right now, after the movie's over. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to bring up that just makes no sense about Johnny's plan here. Okay, so you give them the gold that you get from Fort Knox. You get a nuclear weapon that you want to send back to Cyclo, which, by the way, has him committing genocide now. I mean, I'm sure there are good Cyclos. I'm sure they're not all bad. As I said, part of the book was establishing that, like, I, I guess... Uh, it, when they send this nuke, they didn't realize that they thought it was only going to kill the people in like the main city. They thought they were just going to have one attack. They didn't realize it would, you know, set off a chain reaction, destroy the whole planet. But like he commits genocide here. But let's put all that aside. Their plan of blowing up the dome was what? Rossi, I don't know if you paid that much attention at this point or you're watching now, but Jamie, what was the whole point of blowing the dome? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I I struggled. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm 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 not trying to be difficult or not give you anything, but I really struggled with the last half hour of the movie to actually pay attention. Casper was in here and so I was a bit distracted and I was trying to watch it. You didn't it. miss much. No, I was trying to watch it and I'm just like, "Oh, like what the heck's going on?" And then I I would look away for like, you know, maybe 20 seconds and look back and just be like, "Oh, they're still on this." And then I would do that every like every 5 times in a minute. The blowing the dome, as Johnny says, or as they all, as they're putting the plan together, they say, uh, is that the Cyclos, if you just kill them all or whatever, or you just capture them, they're going to fight back. If you blow the dome, they can't breathe the outside air, so they'll all choke and die. Now, what's wrong with that plan? Can anybody tell me? Because they still have a home office. No, forget that. They all carry these clothespin breathing devices on them. They are constantly in and out of the dome. They have there isn't a single cyclo we see that doesn't have this on them. You blow the dome, they go. Oh, that's better. Yeah, that's all they have to do. And half of this climax <coughs> is about blowing the dome. Well, I'd say a third of it. A third of it is endless fighting, which again is not unentertaining. I think that there's some decent action here that happens in the battle scene in the dome. <laughs> you have Carlo blowing the dome. Uh, which again, the whole plan makes no sense because it's not going to kill anybody. And it doesn't because Charles survives this. And you have the other guy going and blowing up the cycloplanet um, by teleporting himself in the bomb. The other major thing that happens here is John Travolta loses an arm because in the fight scene with Barry Pepper, he's basically saying, I'm going to kill your girlfriend right in front of you. He goes, please don't, please don't. And he slaps the, the brace he's already, Kerr has already helped him take off of his girlfriend and put it on Travolta's arm. Blowing Travolta's arm off. No blood. <coughs> no blood, again, whatsoever. Nor does he even really react other they, than, they my do, arm is off. They do not menstruate. <laughs> yes, Jamie. There is no period for cyclo women. Yep. Um, I had to get back to the point, sorry. Let's never bring that up again. Uh, they don't. Do they get cramps, though? I don't know. Let's move on. So the battle's over. The humans have won. In this one city again, like, they did blow up the planet Cyclo, but they said... They'll send others. Are we to believe that the entire cycloplanet conquered the human race and set up base in one city, Denver? What about all the other cyclos? Like, at least Independence Day took the time to say, we have these spaceships over all the major cities in the world. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that they would have done more than one base, but that's just me. Anything you did watch in this, Rossi? Anything on the trailer you saw you want to comment on? Um, it just kind of reminded me of when they that like pyramid bl- got blew, blown up in Gods of Egypt, <laughs> like <laughs> with the dome and everything. There are a lot of similarities between this and Gods of Egypt. Yeah, not good. The, yeah, like let's run them down here. Um, you have one giant race, godlike race, ruling or enslaving another human race. Who are bigger in size versus bigger? Yeah, size. you have seven foot, eight foot tall ones, and you know regular human size. You have the one human hero that just seems superhuman that could do everything. Uh, you have the the the, the pyramid you said blowing up, the dome blowing up. There's so many similarities between these. I'm going to be interested to see which one... Well, you can't comment. Jamie's already commented. I'm just going to comment and say Battlefield Earth is not as bad as Gods of Egypt. There are things about it that are worse, but overall, Gods of Egypt is a much, much worse movie, in my opinion. Because um, there's some entertainment here, for good or worse. Uh, the final scene here, which I think is... Thank the, God. I didn't dislike this movie when I saw it. I was thoroughly entertained in 2000 when I saw this. I was young. I was dumb. Sure. I didn't pick apart all these things. But it was a simpler time in movies, too. It was a simpler time. It was. You couldn't really... Like, we talked about how this movie came out a few years I, earlier. I don't even understand how we've been talking about this movie for an hour and 41 minutes. Half of it's been you talking about different creatures' menstruation. That's not true. <laughs> and, and Ro- the seriousness when she looked at me. And, you guys and Rossi can't say that it's true either because you only came in like an hour into this <laughs> it was about half an hour oh. he's been here we for also talked about three dicks yeah that's right <laughs> sorry jamie's had two topics just that contributed. just three <laughs> <laughs> um how this long final are they just, just going no, over no, no, no. with with the how the tongue was i wonder how long oh, <laughs> yes okay. they extend sorry um so I enjoyed this movie for the most part. I, again, I didn't think it was the best Travolta thing I've ever seen. It didn't really live up to all my expectations because I did expect going into this a giant sci-fi Star Wars-like movie with my favorite actor, John Travolta. This is going to be the best movie this summer. It definitely wasn't, but was, was I didn't dislike it. Was Rossi on here when we were talking the black and white thing? No. Oh. We, 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 that's not important right now. Let's. let's but he might like the up. movie more if he watched it in black and white. I don't know. Maybe. Let's move on. Oh, I'm tired. Um, this is so Are you exhausting. menstruating? Yes, Jamie. I'm menstruating. Do you have cramps? <laughs> Do you want some chocolate? No. Um, as much as I still, for the most part, enjoyed this movie when it came out in 2000, this last scene just totally threw me off. And I think it's something that now that we're so accustomed to these books being split into movies, these half endings... It's not distracting. It was so weird at the time to have this final scene where they're basically teasing what's going to come. Like, I know that there's other cyclo colonies out there. And then Turl's even saying, when they come here, they're going to kill you. And then he's like, well, they're not going to kill me if I have this recording of you and they find out that it's your greed that's responsible for their planet being destroyed. Now, first of all, is Johnny going to email this to the cyclo group you know, email or something well, like that? Well, he knows everything now. Well, he knows their language. He doesn't know. He had to be trained how to operate a ship. He doesn't know how to communicate with the Cyclos. And are they going to come to Earth and be like, where's the man that started this? And he's like, hold on. Let me show you a recording here. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, but this is what they try to tease for the next one, which is important for this reason, because I, for years expected they would still make a sequel out of this. Um, there was talk for a long time of a sequel being made, but, 
just you, quickly, you, you the awkward ending, it. <laughs> it wasn't just the tease of the ending. It's the fact that they end on Kerr appearing and being like, they're going to make me the head cyclo. Well, all the cyclos are dead, for one. <laughs> you're the only cyclo. You're not the head cyclo. Um, and they just sort of walk away. Whereas, it's, at least you finally have your gold, and there's just weird final shot of them zooming out, and they realize Turl's in Fort Knox. It's just such a non-ending ending that at the time I remember thinking, because I'd heard the bad reviews going in, and I'm like, I don't I don't get that it's a bad movie, but that ending just, it's going to sour you because it's just such a weird final scene. Now, I don't think it is as much, but in 2000, it was a weird final scene. Yeah, yeah, it was, it felt a little out of place. But this is what's interesting because I always thought, I knew that they adapted even before I saw this movie, just the first half of the book, so there would be more. And this final teaser scene leads you to believe that something exciting is going to happen. Like, the cyclos are to come, and there's going to be a real battle. So, I always intended to go back and read the rest of the novel, so I could <coughs> at least know what happened. In doing this podcast, I decided to do a bit of research on what the second half of the novel is. Now, I still can't make sense out of it, just reading the plot synopsis and, and everything. Maybe I'll buy it for you for Christmas. Maybe. I would read it, but... Oh, oh, as I'm yawning, oh, it would be really exciting. Um... <laughs> But uh, it's it's the the book's second half. There is no way you make a movie out of this. It basically involves an intergalactic banking clan coming and Johnny having to broker peace with this banking clan who says we've been bankrupted because of the cyclos, and this weird thing about the cyclo race being turned over to Johnny, only to have Johnny help to remove these chips from the brains or whatever the bodies of the cyclos that actually cures the cyclos of their megalomania. It's just, it's basically no action at all. And I wonder, I'm like, for a movie that decided to save the second half, maybe it was for the better because the book second half has nothing to it. Mm-hmm. Like nothing at all. So I would assume if they ever did make that sequel, it would have been something completely different. But uh, before we move on to all of our final segments here in our reviews, anything either of you want to add on Battlefield Earth as a whole here? Rossi, you go first. I mean, some of the things I saw were enjoyable. Some of it looked like way too unnecessary of a filler. Mm-hmm. And then the ending was so undesirable, even though I had no idea really what ha- happened in the movie. It was just like committing to, hey, we're going to have a sequel, but also we want to close this story out. So it was yeah. like, well, he's like, well, they're going to come and they're going to get you. And then Johnny's, but I have a back door. And it's like, you can't tease that people are coming and bad things are going to happen, but you have a way to solve it. You'd solve mm-hmm. it in the second part. I don't know. It just, it seemed weird. Some of the effects look awful. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just hard to, fo- to hard to look at sometimes. I was just like, ooh. But, like the green lighting when they're in the mall? Yeah. <laughs> I would, the, I would give it a, a chance to watch it all the way through. I think it's worth it. Like, there's entertainment in here. That's one of the reasons I wanted to cover it because it is fun. The bad things are fun to talk about, but there is still good things. I don't think this movie gets given enough credit. I'm not going to say enough credit. I've always, I've never argued anybody's points when they've said it was a bad movie. I've always said I understand why this this movie's not for everybody, but I don't think that it is as bad as people make it out to be. This is not worst movie ever made. I don't think it's worst movie we've covered this month. No. Anything else you want to add, Jamie? Uh, I think you've probably said it all. So tying in a question you asked earlier on, Jamie, um, with Rossi mentioning about the bad effects. Um, So how this movie got made, how it got funded, everything. uh, 
the production company behind it, Franchise Pictures, they ended up basically having an FBI investigation into them because what ended up happening or coming out as a result of Battlefield Earth is that this company would go out there and they would solicit investments from you know, people, other companies, to invest in movies, <clears throat> inflating their budget. And they would say, we're looking to raise... 40 or 50 or 60 percent of the funds and we're going to fund the rest of this um which is like how independent filmmaking is really done and they went out and they basically raised enough money they said we're making a 120 million dollar movie or a 130 million dollar movie and they went out and they raised 60 or 70 million dollars under the false pretenses of telling these people it's going to be like a 60 40 split or whatever then what they did was they lied about their budget they created false budget sheets stuff like that oh like in the cyclos yeah basically yes and they actually did make they raised 60 70 million dollars of investors money and instead of making a 120 million dollar movie they made a 60 to 70 million dollar movie lied about the budget which is why some of the effects do look bad in this and other effects do look really good uh so that they could pocket their percentage of it without actually having to put up any of the money so this ended up as like a big scandal, um, FBI investigation. The company's out of business now. Uh, but I think that's just one of the interesting things. If people say there's a lot of problems with this movie, there obviously are some problems. Some of it have to do with the production. Some of it have to do creative. Some of it have to do with just the fact it's cheesy material in the first place. It should probably never have been a $100 million movie. It should have been like a $30 million you know, miniseries for uh, space or sci-fi or something. I don't know. Um, but I think that's one of the most interesting thing about this that people don't really talk about is that the movie itself was kind of unfairly plagued and it was out of the hands of people like Travolta and others making the movie that there was this investment fraud that kind of crippled them with their budget. So there were things that they couldn't do in this movie. When you see there was so many parts of it that were long and drawn out, like Rossi was saying, uh, where it didn't feel needed. But at the same time, though... Um, with what you were saying, a mini series actually might have helped this. If if they yeah. if they actually went more in depth into the the history on both the human and the uh, cyclo side and everything, that would have been interesting. Because that's I think honestly why I like the middle part of the movie more when they're first. You still haven't told me which middle section was the sweet spot, as you put it. When uh, they actually uh, get captured by the Cyclos, and then they're st- really starting to actually get to know each other and st- so to know you facts like, about each you other. you like when Barry Pepper and John Travolta can work together. Because I actually thought that was some of the best. I think that's yeah. one of the problems with this movie. Travolta has nobody to play off of other than Forrest Whitaker for most of the movie, which is great. Travolta has the better scenes here. Barry Pepper's playing off of other humans who are not that exciting, and when he's in scenes with Travolta, often they're not speaking the same language or understanding it. Mm-hmm. You have these two actors that when they had the chance to interact, I thought Barry Pepper and John Travolta, they had something. Yeah, I liked but it. But they so rarely got the chance to even be on screen together. I feel like this should have just been rewritten. Avoid some of the stuff from the book. Just rewrite it to be more of a movie and allow your characters to have some chemistry. Yeah, yeah. That's what I liked. Um, I famously go said th- in the... Um... Gods of Egypt podcast. Listen to it now. Um, <laughs> that I said it would have been better as like a political style yeah. drama of instead of an action movie. Whereas I feel like this tried to do more like political and it's like the opposite, which it should have been more action movie. Mm-hmm. Like this would have benefited way less scenes about mining and gold and how <laughs> will we pay the workers and eat the rats and it's just like yeah. what. <laughs> 
just 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 do the fighting and the actions and the guns. Like that's why we watch Star Wars and stuff for the mm-hmm. intense scenes, not for the the treaties. Like, yeah, it was the like that's exactly what I was saying. This movie should have been rewritten to be more movie friendly because there are certain things you can get away with in a book, uh, like a lot of stories stuff like this. People expect to be reading a book for a couple of days. They don't expect to watch a movie for a couple of days. They don't even necessarily want to watch it for more than two hours. Um, quickly covering the box office, we'll get into the reviews and everything like that. Uh, but box office, the expectations for this movie were that it would at least be blockbuster level, like twenty-five, maybe thirty million dollars. It opens with eleven point five million dollars in its first weekend, and I remember seeing the box office the week this came out. And so many movies are unfairly categorized as a bomb when they actually aren't, just because the like people who say Justice League's a bomb. And yet, something like Ant-Man is a massive hit when Ant-Man made like far less than Justice League, or even if you take like Batman versus Superman is apparently a bomb, and it made like $250-$300 million. But like Battlefield Earth, $11.5 million, that was a disaster at the time. Uh, it opened number two at the box office, so this was the second weekend of Gladiator. That definitely didn't help. I think the guy audience, like you said, who's this geared towards? The movie itself, I think, was probably made more for an older male audience. It didn't help that a lot of them were probably going to see Gladiator, but word of mouth definitely hit this movie hard too because second weekend drops to sixth place, $3.9 million. This third weekend makes barely over a million dollars and drops out of the top 10 within its third week. Uh, I mean, this was your classic example of a bomb. It's just a movie that came out, a few people saw it, such bad word of mouth that it just dropped off the face of the planet. And then from that point on, it developed this reputation as being one of the worst movies ever made, and now it's kind of come around to it's campy fun, but it's still one of the worst movies ever made, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, overall, box office is less than $30 million worldwide. Uh, $21.4 million in North America alone, which basically makes up all the box office here. Uh, and how much did the movie cost again? Well, about the actual budget, $60, $70 million. Oh, so it actually lost a bunch of money. Yeah, although I would, like, home video definitely helps with things like that, but but we even talked about this on, um, uh, on I can't remember which episode it was, uh, but how if a movie makes, like this movie makes $21 million, it didn't make a third of its money back because the theaters are not giving up every dollar that people pay in admission. Right. You know, the theaters pocket some of that money too, so you're basically looking at probably a third to half of that. So this movie what it actually brought for the, the investors was probably closer to $10 million on a $60 million budget, which wow. is a disaster. Um, reviews. So this is what's fun here. Actually, I'm going to save reviews for last because that's going to be... Uh, I've, I've got some fun ones for this. you fanning yourself, Jamie. You're overheating. No, um, I'm like, keywords. hurry up. I want to go to bed. <laughs> keywords here. Uh, I love this. The very first thing that comes up, keywords for Battlefield Others is bad acting. <laughs> Uh, the Disaster Artist is number one. The Room, number two. <laughs> Followed by Resident Evil, the final chapter. Paper Towns, Resident Evil, Battlefield Earth, Resident Evil, Retribution. Resident Evil is plagued by these bad ones. And see, even Spawn is on there, but Spawn was still fun. Uh, Biodome. Uh, where would you think Battlefield Earth falls in Biodome? Well, it's behind The Martian, Under the Dome, Flash Gordon, Roswell, Battlestar Galactica. Uh... What other ones we have here? Loincloth. This is Jamie's favorite. Uh, Apocalypto, number one for Loincloth. Uh, Papillon, Lost City of Zed, Blue Lagoon, Silence, Conan the Barbarian. Obvious choices there, Pompeii. Uh, I don't know what altered version of a studio logo is, why that's in there. 
Um, Fragments of Glass. I love that. I'm not going to run through all these. Woman in Jeopardy. Cattle Prod. Uh, anything else really fun here? I'm sure it'll be a Scientology. Of course, there's tons of Scientology in this movie. A.K.A. no Scientology in this movie. Uh, but movies with Scientology. Let's just look at that. Airplane, number one. The Master, number two. Well, that one actually is. Battlefield Earth, The Fifth Estate. And then Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief, a documentary. Reviews time. So this, this, these have got to be some of the best reviews I've found here. Uh, I have one good... Now, first of all, this movie has... What's the percentage here on Rotten Tomatoes? 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, 11% for audience score. So audiences don't hate as much as critics. But audience reviews here from the AV Club. Not so much watched as lived through, Battlefield Earth is bad enough to make audiences ashamed to be part of the same species as the people who made it. Uh, Reno News and Review said, if you're looking for something to hate and despise, get thee to this movie. Uh, Anthony Lane from The New Yorker says, the director is Roger Christian, who, if early audience response is anything to go by, would do well to flee the country under an assumed name. (laughs) Um... This one here, uh, there's really nothing here you haven't seen before, except maybe the sight of John Travolta walking around with tubes in his nose. (laughs) It's from Hollywood.com. One of the four positive reviews you can find on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it worth seeing once? Sure, says Bob Graham of San Francisco Chronicle. (laughs) And here's the best review I have ever found. Uh, Mark Bourne from DVDJournal.com says, Watching Battlefield Earth is to a movie-watching experience what having a yeast infection is to having sex. (laughs) That may be the loudest, the loudest, uh, uh, you've ever said the word sex. Well, it was a funny review. It was worth it. He, he, he's so shy. He, he, whenever we're even talking about anything like that in real life, just, just, whatever casually sex okay anyway <laughs> you're, you're, you're so Don't shy people to hear me like like you're little... meanwhile jamie's menstruation yeah dicks bucket of dicks okay anyways uh, I, got, I got no shame <laughs> uh let's review this thing rossi i had one more you did see. review oh. that i wanted to go for it mention so i went to look at a critic's review and i always look at it when we do re- these bad movies i was looking at them and i wanted to see if roger ebert had covered this oh yeah and he had not one of like the interns or whatever. He had actually mm-hmm. written this review. So he gave it half a star out of his four star scale and said Battlefield Battlefield Earth is like taking a bus trip with someone who has needed a bath for a long time. <laughs> it's not merely bad, it's unpleasant in a hostile way. The visuals are grobby and drab, the characters are unkempt and have rotten teeth. Breathing <laughs> tubes hang from their noses like ropes of snot. The soundtrack sounds like a boom mic being slammed against an inside of a 35-gallon drum. And then All he goes off on to describe the plot being awful and everything. That's actually pretty, it's pretty accurate. pretty accurate, yeah. And I, I enjoy this movie more than most of these critics, and I'll agree with that. Yep. It's our turn now. Rossi, you're going to buy it, rent it, or bin it. What you have seen, and I'm sure you've seen enough. You watched three minutes going into this podcast... And skim through it as we covered it. What would you rate this? Treaties, gold, Fort Knox, bin. <laughs> Jamie? I'm sure that I'll probably watch it at least once or twice more in my lifetime. I'm going to rent it. <laughs> oh, come on. It, it's... You complained all day. I knew you would do this. Shh, you you have been. I don't care. 
You have been like nothing in the history of this podcast except for Atomic Blonde. Yeah, you... you, you you're going to bend this movie. You you made me do this. You made me feel like... And you're doing this in you, defiance. You, you are Johnny. You you made me feel like if I didn't come on here and record the podcast with you that you're going to divorce oh, me. Oh, don't say you were like that. You were like throwing your pen around. You got all pissed <laughs> off at me. That's not true. Like, you're totally making stories up now. Like, like go choke on a bucket... <laughs> go choke on a bucket of dicks, Jamie. Yo, Oh, come on. Now, now we know you're making it up. Ha, ha, good story, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Funny story, Jamie. What it literally came down to was you saying you're not doing this. I'm like, Jamie, I have a recording of you on the air last week saying, I want to do that one. I like this movie. You are doing this if I'm doing it. <laughs> so that's what brought us yeah, here. Yeah, and you know what? We've been And you're going to rent this? We've been recording for two hours, and I could have been playing Pokemon for uh, two hours. Are you actually going to rent this? Yeah. Oh. Watch it. Okay. You know what? You guys should really honestly have another thing, though, because I wouldn't say, like, rent it is and watch it again and again and again. Well, that, rent it is, I would give it another view. I just wouldn't pay good money for it. Yeah. I can't I, believe this. I would watch I would, it at least once or twice more look, while I'm still alive. A fair assessment is I will watch this again. I've seen it several times. I, this is a guilty pleasure in a way for me, but it is a bin worthy movie because the movie makes no sense. It's sloppy, it's, it's dumb. Uh, it's cheesy. It's it's overly serious when it shouldn't be. You know what? It's I, the wrong I, approach. It is a bin worthy movie, and I'm the defender of Battlefield Earth, I, and I'm binning it. I give some awful movies just a second chance. Sometimes, like many years later, to see is it still as bad? And sometimes it changes. Like that that Tom Cruise movie. I watched it like within the last year or two. The Mummy. No, not that one. The the one where like the world is getting taken over by. Oh, aliens. War of the Worlds. Yeah, and it's awful. But there's some parts of it that you can appreciate but it's still an awful movie no it's not uh it's it's a terrible movie and this is an awful movie but fun but i'm still binning it um jamie you're never allowed on here again <laughs> okay with me i'll just play pokemon um anyways i think we're done with this now we've talked enough battlefield uh we've done Gods would you of like Egypt. some lunch <laughs> we've done are Gods you a of hungry Egypt. little fella We've done Gods of Egypt. I love you. I gotta go to bed. Let me just keep interrupting. We've done Gods of Egypt. We've done The Room. We've done Battlefield Earth. Can it get worse than this? We're gonna move on to a movie that I have never seen, and I've avoided like the plague for one reason. It has Madonna in it. Swept away. I'm already trying to coordinate times for Ben. Uh, He's now only two time zones behind me, three time zones behind Rossi. We're all on the same continent for the first time ever. Of course you're recording that one with Ben. Yeah, well, it was his suggestion, and uh, we're gonna remind the audience of something that last fall when we did our random TV uh, rewatches and one of our listeners suggested Impractical Jokers we didn't have a specific episode requested to us so we picked a random one it was probably a below average Impractical Jokers episode Ben was saying it was the stupidest show he'd ever seen I said I guarantee I could find one you'd like and he agreed to do it if I agreed to do watch Swept Away. He's probably forgotten that. We're going to watch Swept Away, and then we're going to force him to watch Impractical Jokers. It's Rossi, such a good show. aside from Impractical Jokers uh, being able to finally get back on the Oz Network, uh, are you excited about Swept Away? Have you ever seen it? No, but it was a runner, uh, a nominee for Worst Picture of the Decade that lost to this movie. Yes. So well, that'll be interesting to see what was almost as bad, but not quite as bad to this movie. I remember when Swept Away came out, and uh, I believe it was a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. So, I mean, I knew his reputation, although I don't think I'd really seen much of his movies. And I expected this would be, like, a great movie. 
and didn't know Madonna was in it because it said, oh, it's about two people stuck on an island. That sounds fun. Then when I saw Madonna was in it, I just never even watched a trailer for this. So I don't even think I've ever seen a trailer. Maybe I've seen a TV spot. I know nothing about the movie. Um, are you excited about this? Are you a Madonna fan? Not overly, but I'm, I mean, I'm so curious to see a movie that Ben's dying for us to watch. So I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to see what it's about. Um, this movie uh, is definitely, the. I, I think it may have made less money than The Room. <laughs> Probably the biggest bomb uh, that we're covering on here. Uh, and as well as that, Madonna also uh, lost, or I guess won, uh, Worst Supporting Actress or Worst Actress for this movie. Uh, the same year she won it for Die Another Day. So this is Madonna's worst year ever. Um, swept away. I don't know what to think about this movie. Um, this is the first one I'm not in the slightest excited to cover. I know Ben's excited and he's already trying to line up a time with me. Uh, so, Rossi, are you planning to come back for this? Oh, yeah. I'm or are gonna, you just going to do uh, your drop I've done three bad movies. i got to do all four. Yeah. Uh, you may come in halfway into it, but we know you'll be there. And I won't. And Jamie won't. She has no interest. She's already playing Pokemon. Uh, that is it for Battlefield Earth. Well, we did get this episode up about a day later. Uh, just the late recordings of this and me being sick and tired and not wanting to edit this out and get it out there tonight as Jamie's liking pictures on Instagram of people's babies. Uh, I love babies. <laughs> and you love men with dreadlocks and long fingernails. Three dicks. B- B- Three dicks. B- B- bucket of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, What's for lunch, for Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> Leftovers. <laughs> sloppy seconds. Uh, we will be back next week for Swept Away. We apologize to our listeners for that. After that, we'll get on to Good Month, which is Anniversary Month, where we got some fun stuff lined up. Uh, anyways, uh, let's end this episode. I don't know how to end it other than saying, my name is Colin, and do you understand me? And my name is Jamie, and I am still wondering about their private parts. Oh, and I'm Rossi, and I'm going to go eat a wrap for dinner. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.